Today's episode is brought to you by Debris Shoes. Our shoes are trash. Uh, made from car tires and ocean plastic. Suss out Debris Shoes. That's D-B-R-I-S Shoes. Mad. And one of Will's surfboards. Will Weber Surfboards. High performance crafts for high functioning degenerates. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say... And the ASP are gonna find me. Cause I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing. Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the Maestro of micro dosing. Sumi! And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co host and friend, frontman of the Goods of Doom, former editor of Surfing World Magazine, Tracks Magazine, Waves Magazine, Vaughn Corn Deadly Vaughn. <laughs> Fucking yeah! Welcome baby. to the program. We're back, mate. We are back! Another 2021, day. we're on. We are. Another day, another cone of mortal coneoquence packed for no other reason than securing some precious vige. When will it stop? Who knows, corn. But I, for one, mm. vote never. Oh, God, I'm loving this. The East Coast swell run just continues, Smivy. Been getting uh, little shorey sessions in here and there, getting a few little... Few little conages, nothing too sort of you know cone sequential, mm. cone sequential. Can't get my fucking head around that one. But uh, nah, mate, just loving the swell, loving surfing, loving being out there. Mm. Hate the actual act of surfing, mm. but love everything around it. So mm. good. It's been nonstop. Surfing like shit. Need a new board. Need Will Weber to whack one under me fucking hoofs, or uh, a jolly fits, or uh, one of the boys. Mm. Sort us mm. out. So many swells, born mental. Mental swells, swells of mortal coneoquence, mavericks, Hawaii, uh, even the deep south of Australia, the south coast there in January, mm. all things. And uh, I mean, I hate to point out the obvious, Vaughan, but I believe the correlation between what we're seeing and climate change is clear. Yeah. In other words, keep shoveling that coal into the furnace, <laughs> Skolmo! Working for your nation, you true blue Aussie battler. Get it in there. Sell it off, mate. Wiping the sweat off the brow, punching his time card, washing it down with a nice cold Vic. That hard-working blue-collar legend. That's right, mate. Ship the uranium to China. Burn that fossil fuel into the ground. Full steam ahead, boy. Captain's orders. Oh, mate. But, yeah, I mean, the amount of Pacific swell. Holy shit. And then also the Atlantic. I saw uh, the Irish boys. Connor Maguire and the crew. Oh, Connor Maguire. Yeah, uh, they've been getting some big conages. The Indians fired up. But, uh, mean, uh, oh, mate. Yeah, this, this, the, the amount of swell since our last ep has been not just fucking psycho. It's like, do you remember waves of 
this size and quality? In, in like breaking everywhere all at once? No, I can't fathom. No, no, <laughs> no, oh, no. I just can't fathom uh, that South Coast swell in particular in the middle of January. I know. It's fucking baffling. It just doesn't make any sense. Nah. Um, I th- think I saw possibly uh, the greatest wave ever ridden on this continent. Mm. Uh, Morgie? Paul Morgs, we're oh. going to talk to later on in the episode. But oh, yeah. mate, that knife in has got to be one of the most critical fucking knife-ins of all time, mate. Of all time. Steep, is deep. There a, is there a knifier knife-in on the South Coast in history? Oh, I don't think there is. And, uh, I mean, just an all-star cast throwing caviar to the wind. Mm. I mean, they were topped up on KK's caviar to Luxbourne, <laughs> Laurie Towner, uh, Paul Morgan, a couple others. But, yeah, just wild, wild scenes. A packed house there at the Bommy there and uh, just fucking and just psycho surfing. I mean, you know, shades of pipeline, mm. but there was no chipping. There was no easy entry. Uh, you know, the periods are probably a bit shorter than what you're getting in Hawaii. Mm. So it was just this steep and just a of underground heathen core lord madmen. <laughs> madmen, Smivy. Just chucking it over the ledge on these huge boards. Can you believe the boards they're riding down at that joint? I mean, you, you've got such a split second. Clearly, like, the shorter boards just you, – you can't slide down the face. It just jacks and throws too far. Mm. So you've got no choice. You've got to go on these these monster sleds mm. that are big, heavy. Uh, Bjorki, you saw his injury. He got absolutely cleaned up out there, body surfed down into the trench, yep. the whole trench, and nothing but the trench, so help me God. Wow. And uh, he reckons that uh, it wasn't a collision with the board or the bottom that split him open. He said it was the pressure. Whoa. How's that, mate? Just popped his scones like, like a, a walnut. Yeah, like you put, a, put a, uh, a walnut in a microwave and it just splits open. <laughs> it's just exactly like that. Bjorki, you little walnut, mate. You split. You split open. Look after that walnut, Bjorki. Right. It's had a couple of splits, that walnut. Far yeah, out. Right. Oh, no. But, uh, I mean, put it poses the question, Vaughn, is this – the kind of state that we want to keep Mother Nature in, you know, this perpetually semi-aggrieved state, you know, sure, we're going to have to wear a couple of pandemics on the head, mm. but on the plus side, there's cones galore. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, look. Just blowing a bit we're, of coal up her skirt, blowing a bit of coal in her face. I don't know just about keep her, keep her a little frazzled, a little, a little flustered, mm. a little hot under the collar, throwing fucking monstro... You know, the blow pressure systems just hurling onions at us with pure rage. Is it a cry for help, Smithy? Is that what this is? A cry for help from our mother, our mother earth? Mm. Because it sure seems like things are a bit awry up there. She's sick. There's a bit of PMS. There's yeah. something going Something's on there. Up. She's ropeable. But, uh, but uh, yeah, the big wave, uh, the adrenaline junkies out there are definitely loving whatever mood she is in because mm. she's throwing it down, Smith. Oh, Throwing it down. Should we get in the finger buns and just break this whole... Sort of summer, uh, southern hemisphere summer, northern hemisphere winter into uh, detail. Agreed. Finger buns are just sitting in a room. They're sweet and sticky and absolutely delicious. Finger buns, finger buns. Feed your face in your finger buns. Number five. Mavericks mayhem. <laughs> Peter Melpax, the mother of all Mondo cones. Condo! Are you kidding me? <laughs> Mate, the Condor. 
Far out. 51 years young born. Just. Half century. Raised the bat and just packs a romper. Well, this guy, mate, he was at one stage there. He was the, the contest director for the Wazzle, wasn't he? For the Big Wave mm. World Tour. And he quit that job to get back out there. He was like, hang on, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too sprightly. I'm too young for this. I, I want to be out there. I want to be competing on these days. Uh, obviously, uh, no events being run. Uh, way too hard to, to put it together. I think uh, the Big World waved, uh, Big Wave World Tour kind of bit the dust anyway, right? Mm. But, I mean, uh, the, the swell at Mavericks, like, I think they were saying uh, in one story I read, it doesn't even cap. It doesn't start bowling on that back reef till it's 50 foot. Yeah. And yeah. so to backdoor one, to chip it in, backdoor one and just stand there, the wave of waves, the swell of swell, the day of days at the mighty fucking Mavericks. Woo! Right, it's it's got to be one of the best big wave, best big wave barrels ever surfed ever. Surely, and that includes everything we ever saw at uh, Big Cloud Break and all of that mm. stuff. You know, it's just it's just like a lifetime of dedication to a spot, just all coming to the surface and 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 being rewarded in that moment. Oh, could and, and then Dabby's son John Mill sitting on the ski in the channel. What would you do if you saw your old man packing one like that? I mean, if I saw Alfie pack, I've seen Alfie pack a few in my day, mate. Oh, but you have. Not out in the ocean, though, in the lounge room when he's got a fucking, (laughs) they still call me Bruce, movie marathon on. (laughs) (laughs) It was his favourite movie, by the way. I don't know if you remember it. Ah, but yeah, I don't know, mate. What a a moment for Pete. I mean, to get that pitted on like a a legendary day in front of your grom. Does it get better? Does life get better than that moment? Surely not. I mean, uh, yeah, just crazy scenes. The fact that Mavericks- oh, hang on, and backing it up the next day, we on a tow wave that was even like twice as big as that one. You see that one where he's like, he's just this little speck at the bottom, and he it's the day after that huge pit, and he's just standing there on the biggest wave ever surfed at the joint. Fucking wild. just, I can't believe what a lord Pete Mel is. <coughs> Pete, Vaughn. Pete Mel, how's it? The Condor swooping in, swooping in. <laughs> you bad man. What? Brother. Oh, dude. Please. So good. Oh, my God, mate. Hey, I've got um, Smivy with me here as well. You're live on the potty. G'day, Pete. Oh, good, good, good. Oh, Thanks. brother. Honestly, I don't know what to say to you here. I'm so baffled by everything I saw at Mavericks, but, I mean, in particular, that pit, mate. Thank you. Uh, we had a really good run of waves, um, probably the best ever, as I I can recall through my years of chasing waves up the coast up there. This yeah. was by far the best season, most oh. consistent, best conditions, and you know some of the biggest days we've ever seen. Well, man, awesome. I have heard you lose your fucking banana when Seabass got a ten at North Point. You went absolutely <laughs> mad. What was your reaction like when you got into the channel after that pit? Were you were you in that headspace, or were you actually on another level? I was I was opposite, dude. It's different when you have that much adrenaline going through your system, and then to be able to kind of just kick out and hear the opposite of. I mean, I guess Seabass would have been listening to me like, after he got that barrel. Like, <laughs> you just could sit back and be content. I, I had to, you know, I'm the one who was soaking that in from the other side of it. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of what it was. So I was just soaking it in, you know, with my kid yelling at me and Jamie Mitchell and um, Kurt, you know, just the whole the whole channel. Really, it was actually pretty cool. It was really awesome. The whole the whole experience, not just 
that day specifically, but the whole season as a whole has been really mm. positive. You know, uh, it's been a great crew out there and really pushing each other and looking out for each other. It's been been awesome. Pete, can you talk us through that wave and, and in particular the decision to, you know, pack the tube? I mean, what are your options at that point? You're sitting on that outside bowl. It's 45 to 50 foot. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, you, you kind of roll into it and then you've got, you, I guess you're getting barreled basically where you're usually taking off. But do you have the option of straightening out, you know, how do you kind of weigh up uh, that, that, that decision to, to try and go for the tube knowing that you might get pinched and fucking break your spine in a million pieces? Yeah, I mean, if, uh, we have talked about that line visualized it i guess on certain days it doesn't happen very often it has to be a kind of a specific direction a certain size um luckily this season we've had a lot of opportunities and a lot of reps to get kind of comfortable and get um an understanding of a certain lineup you know you you miss a a swell or and it's months in between the time you're the last time you're out there um you know your lineups are kind of the same but you know, you kind of need to adjust and, you know, certain swells move you different places and stuff. So it's always kind of a, an adjustment thing. But that specific day, um, I knew that there was a peak of the swell kind of happening um, that was going to happen at that same time period because uh, you could see it on the buoys. I mean, the buoy system's so awesome now. So I kind of understood that part of it, and I saw some waves start to cap on that outer section, which is where I kind of wanted to be sitting these days. There's, a you know, that opportunity. It's the only way you're going to get a wave like that is, by sitting just a little bit further out and deeper. And there's a little little ramp out there at certain times that if you can pick one of those up, that's the only way you're going to be able to get a wave like that. I mean, uh, at 20 feet, Maverick's bowl is really unapproachable. <laughs> you can either backdoor it with a tow board, usually is what we thought we did, or you're taking off on the corner of it and getting inside of it, you know, and you're not really getting underneath and behind it. This was just a, a very, you know, accurate wave that I was able to, get on and um you know i think the idea of that you're when you're going to pull into a wave like that and and it pinches the best place to be is you know in the womb mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than on the sides of it right kidding me if i straighten off you're just getting smoked there's no yeah that's worst right. case scenario the thing that trips so, me out about is the best best route man it's always is yeah bro of course but the thing that trips me out watching that wave pete is you are so body limp like you don't have any stress in your in your frame at all like you're in the pit and you're just cruising like you, you haven't got that like fucking gnarly survival stance like did you just know when you pulled in that it was just going to stay open like were you just at what point were you able to just kick back and enjoy the the view that's kind of when it, when i went into the smooth smooth water i mean that last like little kink at the bottom of the wave you know and of course i've watched it uh, many many times over too and and you start watching and you're like dang it i could have been a little deeper mm. but no um you get to the gosh <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> critic mate <laughs> could have been deeper oh uh, but i got up in no i got into the smoother water and like and i remember getting to that point and and like realizing the hard part was kind of done and it, it it actually had this like usually the barrel kind of goes up to the corner it like pinches up mm. top right and it shuts down and that's generally what, what most of those waves will do but it didn't have that look to it it actually had the bend and arc to it it was going to come back and open up so i kind of saw that and i was like oh my gosh look at this and then that's when i was just like enjoy it you know like i'd gotten through that gnarly part 
Um, and then it was just, I knew it was going to stay open. So I just kind of sat there and enjoyed it. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's man, cool. that's, it's so cool. It's, it, it's really why we all surf. I mean, uh, Griff, I was speaking to Griffin Colapinto, uh, and he mentioned the, this really interesting thing to me. He said, you know, it's in moments of extreme peril that the mind is removed of all thought and you're at your most present. And I really think that that... Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Exactly uh, what it is. I mean, isn't it? it's unbelievable because I don't really remember the wave, to be honest. I mean, I, there's like that, I guess the moment of relief when I, when you're asking me about like, when did you know it was going to stay open? Like I could see the corner, I saw the smooth water and that's when, you know, that's the only part I really remember, like the drop and all those bumps and all that weird stuff that happened. Have no recollection of all that yep. at all. Wow. <laughs> and, and it's just a matter of just because you're reacting and you're so in the moment that you're like, <laughs> and then you get there and they're like, oh, ah, you know, <laughs> the kick out of the channel. And <laughs> it's, you just have my sound effects as I went through it. Oh, that was so <laughs> good. And so that that moment when you've done all the hard work and you pull up into a pit and you can actually admire the view and not have to worry about getting clipped in the head or, or whatever, it's so rare in surfing. But that is what it's all about, having standing room in a tube and being able to enjoy the view. It, it's, it's, it's the fucking absolute crux of why we do this thing. It's so true. And, and, and you got to look cool doing it. <laughs> yeah, <don't you? laughs> I guess in the one opportunity that I could ever have in a moment like that, I better try and look cool and relax like it was nothing right? but how weird is it that that's like kind of hard- 30 years worth of work <laughs> exactly it's hardwired into you in moments like that to stand up straight relax you, your body and and try and absorb as much of it uh as you can it's it's almost like some force just sucks all of the stress and fear out of you in that moment and just restores you to the pure present moment in time and just allows you to fucking soak it all into your pineal gland, <laughs> which must be the size of a fucking thick leech, Pete. Thank you for allowing me to relive that. That's awesome. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> hey, mate, I've got uh, – I've been wanting to ask this for a while because uh, at this Fiji 2012 swell, um, the, the night after that swell was just – honestly, it was like going back in time to some Cro-Magnon fireplace where there was just dancing warriors – just you know, absolutely letting off the steam. What did you do that night? Like when you got back, how did how did you all decompress, or or did you not? Because you knew there was even bigger waves coming the next day. Pretty much. I mean, that night um, I slept pretty well. I was tired, you know. It was uh, you know reflection and all that. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, not only a reflection after that moment, then the adrenaline's still high, but being able to go home and then just, you know, I mean, my phone was blowing up and it was kind of crazy period of time. But the next day, like literally I kind of was in a hole. I didn't want to see anybody. I have this little back office that I work in my shop and I'm just like, shut the door. I told all the guys, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. I want to sit in my little hole. It was the weirdest thing. I, I literally was like, didn't want to socialize. Um, which I mean, and, and it was like a, it wasn't depression in a sense, but it was, it was just a like, yeah, just too much. And I didn't want to deal with it anymore kind of thing. It was just such an overload. Wow, man. Um, but then, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting to be honest. And then I, I, it was kind of a blessing that the next day was on, I don't know, two days later really, because all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, we're back on. This is going to be even gnarlier. Like <laughs> just by the looks of the numbers and all that stuff. I was like, you better get your shit together, bro. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, it snapped me out of it. 
and, and that then, died. The outside I, of that other swell was kind of more of that warrior kind of happiness, like Yee-hoo, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because that, that you know, next kind of day, thing, that's what, when it kind of came to me. What a, is that the biggest Mavs ever surfed? I mean, it, it looked that one you got is so fucking massive. I can't even really get my head around it. Yeah, it, it that was it was one of the bigger days. It was different. I mean, every big big swell is a little different. Mm. Um, you know, I've had I've had certain days that are you know the interval changes and um, direction changes ever so slightly. The energy is different. You know, this one was a very, very um, high energy swell, you know, it was in that 22nd plus. So it was like needy, um, you know, it was really tough to line up trying to paddle. You know, that's, uh, I tried to go sit way out and just like, cause there was an opportunity. If you could line one up on the way outside where we were trying to like, it was me, Kai, um, Nathan Florence, uh, Billy Kemper, we're all trying to, we were sitting 150 yards outside of the main bowl and we're all in this kind of big dome of, you know, like again, a, a, a footy field zone that we were trying to figure out where to sit, you know, and trying to be able wow. to line up these massive sets that came every 25, wow. 30 minutes. And it was hard. Um, but I mean, that opportunity to ride probably if you could have lined one up, um, you could have easily rode the biggest wave ever paddled. So that was the goal of, I think everybody that day. Um, I got, hot inside out there um, luckily my son john was on point and was was uh paying attention running water safety for me he saw i got clipped he was right on me picked me up my, my leash broke um, my board got destroyed and then i kind of came back to the channel and everybody was like kind of in awe because there was a bunch of big sets that happened right there that was when twee got that wipe out yeah kyle Lenny got caught outside i got caught outside and I kind of was like, grab my toe board, John, grab my toe board. <laughs> and so we kind of like snuck out the back, right? And we were kind of the first ones that kind of start ripping in on the outside. It's like, hey, let's just sit out here and grab a big one. And so it was like, it, that was the towing was probably the funnest and part of it, you know, but it was only probably an hour and a half that we did it. But I'll tell you what, I mean, it was as big and as clean as you could have wanted for, for paddling big waves, but it was just hard to line up. And how did it feel? I mean, to be to be saved by your son and just sharing moments like that with your son, man, that's incredible. Epic, straight up epic. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's epic. I mean, I, the, mm. I was I'm out there to kind of support him. I think that's where the new inspiration kind of came from. But I've also kind of felt the desire to because I enjoy riding big waves. So I, I've been there with him and he's like, you know, he's just as motivated to help me and get the experience being water safety too. So it's like, Oh yeah, if dad eats crap out there. I've got to go learn how to pick him up. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're all constantly in training mode because we, we are out there. Um, and I want him to have the best experience mm. knowing how to drive the skis and knowing how to get into the zone and, um, you know, getting on skis and getting picked up from situations. Those are all things you got to learn. The only way you can really do it is by getting out there and doing it. So it's been awesome. Yeah, I try and teach my kids. They're both teenagers now, Pete, and uh, I try and teach them shit, but they don't look at me like I'm a fucking hero, mate. They look at me like I'm just <laughs> kicking them in the ass, being a pain yeah, in the you ass, dad. There and you start singing on stage, come on, bro. They're, they're inspired <laughs> That's by that. true. Did you ever think that you'd still be doing this uh, at 51 years old and you'd, you'd get to share moments like this with your son? I didn't, but I'm glad I'm doing it. That's all there is to it because I'm living life right now and it feels pretty darn good. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I don't. We're, dude, the 50 or everyone's like, ah, you know, fix my back. This, that, you know, and like, I've been very fortunate. My body's hanging in there. Um, my mind still is telling me, hey, you can do this. Um, so I'll enjoy it while oh, I can mate. until my body says, stop it. <laughs> and 
what is it? Why do you think big wave surfing seems to favour um, older guys? I mean, Grant Twiggy Baker, obviously one of the absolute dons of the genre, 48 years old, yourself uh, 51, packing pretty much the heaviest pit of all time, paddled, uh, or one of. Twiggy's probably got the other one at Jaws that he didn't make. But, um, yeah, why do you think it, it, it favours uh, older folk? Experience. I think that it's time in the water. Um, it's hard to do, um, to ride big waves and to catch big waves. So the more time you do it, you know, understanding the triangulations and understanding the break. I mean, I, I've been surfing Mavericks for a well, very long time, so I feel pretty darn comfortable when I'm in the lineup. And that's all just because I've been doing it for so long. So I think that's a big part of it, you know, taking care of yourself. But the also mentally, I think that, you know, if you get into situations and you're older and you've been through experiences, you can apply that to, you know, to situations you get into and you don't panic and you relax. You know all these things that you're supposed to do um, in order to you know, get yourself out of a situation. So it's just experience, really. I think that's why, I mean, not like I need a quick twitch muscle to be able to time the lip to get the you know, extra <laughs> you wash. Got a bit of extra time on the Nathan wave. Fletcher knows how to do it at 48. I don't know True. how to do it so Good well. Good point. Well, Pete. <laughs> right? But. <laughs> Pete, mate. Yeah, it's experience. The condor is soaring, man. You're fucking soaring to new heights. And uh, you're one of my favorite Thank surfers you. of all time. Like, I just with one right big on. wave. I just, I just, I, I can't tell you what it's like also just, you know, having uh, had the privilege of, of getting an AM but become friends over the years. How much it changes watching a ride like that? You just, the pride and the disbelief, mate, was just off the charts. And, uh, you know, me and Ronnie basically were calling each other and squealing like like little stuck pigs. We were just like, ah, look what Pete's doing. And uh, I think the whole surf world felt like that, mate. So congratulations and just, you know, ride of a lifetime. Yeah, thank you. So stoked for you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. It's great from you guys, and I appreciate the call. Awesome to be on your show. So um, thanks again. On you, Pete. Fuck Love yeah, you, Pete. mate. Icon. Love you guys. Take care. Three cheers for Pete Mel. Huzzah! 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 But, uh, yeah, we talk a lot on this show about just the insane degree to which barrel riding's progressed. You know, mm. it's, it's in a place that I don't think, you know, MP and Bugs and those guys could have ever seen it reaching, you know, back in the day when they were packing, you know, kind of, the odd deep pit mm. Kira and mostly pocketish rides and mm. you know, good but barrel bending, riding. Bending waves to their will, mm. etc. I mean, by the time they sort of started getting to off the wall, they were doing stuff that mm. was pretty fucking spacey. Well, that was, I think I that, mean, was, that, that was, was the beginning of modern barrel riding. I mm. guess Sean Thompson, MR, these guys are mm. backdooring off the wall. Mm. The but, first Vortex Shamans, you could mm. say. Mm. Yes, indeed. Uh, and to where it's reached today, you know, I never really, I've never really seen guys get properly coned. At Mavericks, it's a—it's not a wave I associate with tube time. It's all about that ledgy drop, and I guess this comes back to where they were sitting in the lineup, which was out on that weird misto outer bowl, and they're kind of getting barreled through where you'd normally be taking mm. off, which is just fucking wild. Uh, one of the waves, Grant Twiggy Baker got—he almost—he <sighs> almost floats the ledge. He almost does a floater. He mm. kind of rides parallel across the takeoff zone, yeah, and then drops down the ledge. Uh, just the the read and the technical ability mm. to just be that creative in moments of extreme duress. Yeah. I mean, it's mind-boggling. The cojones. Oh, mate. And just the, the sack on him. What born. about the fucking acid drops that Twiggy and Ian Walsh took out there where they're just hovering in the lip, shades of uh, Jay Moriarty back in the day, you know, and just sending it off the ledge and just free-falling into the abyss, mate. Like proper 
you know, what are you talking, 15, 18 foot free falls and just having the gall to try and fucking stick it. Oh, it's just unbelievable surfing, man. And the other thing, which we talk about a lot on the show, Smivy, but just the pack of, of sort of these names you've never heard of, mm. just out there, just absolutely sending it vert down the face of Mavericks. Fucking oh, shout out to my boy, Kyle Tierman, fellow mm. surf podcaster, guest on the program way back in uh, San Sebastian, our surf mm. festival special. Sick. He's uh, a local Santa Cruz core lord, very uh, astute, witty Young cat, but yeah. yeah, just one of those names you mentioned. Just like coming off the bottom down there and, and not giving up on the ride, like fully grabbing your rail and banking it, like especially on your backhand. Guys pulling in backside and just into these big sort of uh, pinchy closets that just look like they could snap you into a billion pieces. It was, it was, a, it was a swell for the ages, mate. And Mavericks, you know, like you, you, we'll talk about Hawaii in a minute, but like Hawaii was just bluebird you know, all tropical, almost like a, a postcard. And Mavericks just looks like your worst nightmare come to life, don't mm. you? It's just, it's dark. It's, it's like you pull into a wave there, the light's gone. There's no light coming through that lip. Mm. Like you're just pulling into, into darkness. <laughs> it's so hectic. Oh, sickening. But, uh, yeah, I just thought uh, everyone out there, you know, has put in such a, a monumental effort. And you just, you watch Kyle Lenny on those waves. What he's doing, man, it just—it's—he's constantly resetting the bar. Don't care how many scales he's got on his reptile reptile skin, mate. He's—he's he's fucking like actually properly snowboarding, you know, down, up, all over the wave face. Wild. It's going to change everything again. The body positioning on those drops—he's just a rubber man. Mm. Incredible technique, uh, and. I mean, I think he knifed something like fifteen straight. Didn't even get his hair wet. Didn't fall off once. Mm. In what uh, many are calling the greatest display of surfing ever at Mavericks, wow. just had yeah. it on a string. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and just the shape of the tube there, as you alluded to, Vaughn, it is as perilous of a pit as they come. And that one, Pete, you know, he kind of backdoors it and it, it squares out, but then it just clamps like right on that takeoff mm. spot and nearly takes his fucking head off. Oh, mate. It's and so look, wild. It's just the wildest. When I think of Mavericks, I think of. Guys taking the drop, I basically think of surfer covers. So it's always a guy taking the drop with this giant, just bowled out, scooped out fucking 40 footer behind him. Because it's a pretty sensational uh, angle there when you're in the water looking across it and you just see that big pit and that's where guys are taken off. That's sort of like the only place you could get into them. Because if you don't, you get that, uh, you get hung up in it. Mm. And you just, it just seemed like in the past you couldn't get enough momentum to scoop into it from behind and backdoor that but ledge. That Pete's just ledge. rewritten the book, hasn't he? Because I think guys have had a had a crack at it, but just that that's like I say, backdooring a wave out there is just it's just it's beggar's belief. Mm, it like, didn't make sense to me when I do? first saw it. When I first saw it, I'm like, what what's what's transpired here? How did he get barreled? Mm. Where on that wave did he get barreled? And until I understood that they were sitting, you know, another 15, 20 meters further out. Yeah, so on, they're on pulling in as spot. it's they're at the bottom by the time it's pitching. So mm. it's it's it's. Yeah, it's it's that. Uh, it's a different wave. It's a different beast at that size. Completely. I didn't yeah. know it had the two shades to it like that. And I do love that about surfing when you think you've got a wave wide, you think you've got it dialed, you think you know what it's capable of, and then the mother of all swells comes and it's suddenly got a, a second mm. uh, entry point, and the whole it's just a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, that, that reminds me so much of. Um, the, the wave around the corner from Nias. You know, everyone used to just say, like, mm. you know, surf Sabatu, big Nias, and then all of a sudden there, there's this thing around the back that's yeah. just, like, fucking going inside out and just 
looks like a death machine and they end up surfing a final out there uh, in one year. But yeah, that's that's like a good example of sort of you're looking at one thing and then just around the corner there's this other thing or like you say, on a different swell direction or whatever, it just breathes to life and all of a sudden your whole your whole view of the whole lineup changes, Smithy. Mm. Everything changes, mate. Changes good. No. Number four. North Shore Mega Swell Deluxe with the lot. I'll have the pineapple and a coconut pina colada on the side. <laughs> Give me my tie. Wow. Make it strong because old ski boy, old ski brother, the old bloke on the ski, sending it fucking straight off the world's <laughs> biggest ramp like Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Jump in the shark tank. What a fucking lunatic. <laughs> Indeed. Mate, did they just disappear, that dude? Yeah, I uh, he hasn't been seen since. I'm pretty sure. I heard different stories. Like, did someone said that he might have broken his back when he landed, or like, I, I don't know. Yeah, because he doesn't seem to jettison off the craft. He seems to kind of ride it out. <laughs> I, I was looking for his little speck to like parachute off uh, and kind of paraglide back to uh, Oahu, or but uh, no, no, he seemed to. I've, I've heard so, stick it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of caught different uh, theories about what happened because uh, he hit it so hard, and I mean. He's basically at that point a missile. He's like a, a tor- torpedo. Just anything he lands on is going to get destroyed. Mm. So you saw how much traffic is in that set oh. when, when they're going for it. I've never seen in my life anything like that no. set coming at that many watercraft. I mean, Chopes has the set up there, and we've seen a boat go over and a few other fucking you know, crazy moments. Pete Frieden, remember he grabs oh. his pelican case, leaves his girlfriend up <laughs> the back of the boat. <laughs> See you now! <laughs> Divorce papers filed soon after. True story. Oh, and uh, yeah, but uh, that was the most hectic moment in recent memory of anything to do in Big Surf. Like, it was just crazy. And that dude, mate, I haven't seen a ramp like that since Evil Knievel tried to jump the Snake River Canyon. Just yeah. a full-blown send it. And fucking fingers crossed. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, where was the backflip anyway? Fucking cow. Yeah, no flair, mate. But sticking with the craft. Little tweak, little boned out tabletop. Giving props for sticking with the craft. At what maybe point, he had no choice, at maybe. At what height was he thinking, <laughs> I'm not letting go of this? He's maybe he didn't have on. a choice. Maybe he was just connected by that little uh, stringy bo- boogie board leash that connects the, uh, the key to the ignition. You know what I mean? <laughs> Strapped to your wrist. Well, you went to throw it, but the little yeah. the little <laughs> the little kill switch just kept him locked in. It's the uh, jet ski karma, really. Oh, well, I hope he's all right. I, I hope he didn't break his back. It's such a dangerous situation. But I heard that, uh, yeah, the reason or one of the theories why uh, he hasn't really popped up is because either he's in a spinal unit, which would be fucking awful, mm. or that he was just so terrified of sort of the situation and the danger he put everyone else in. By hitting that le- like that section so hard, I mean, surely you'd be able to track him down. Like it, it's a small world. Oh no, uh, we could find it, him. It's just that uh, that's that's a two gold cone piece, two mm. two time award winner. Mm. Track him down, Smithy. Go on. Yep. Let's. Uh, I'll pack a couple and uh, rip right in. Well, we want to record another ep next week. Let's see if we can get him by then. Sure. Okay. And uh, I mean, uh, well, the- highlights from that swell, mate. I mean. The, the outer reef that John John and uh, you know Nate Florence and Healy and those guys were surf. Oh, that's some of the the best big wave surf I've seen in Hawaii since mm. Biggest Wednesday or mm. since the Eddie a couple of years ago. Mm. That one yeah. big one where Mason the boys were sending it. 
Yeah, it's incredible how well someone like John John's skills transfer to waves of that mortal coniquence. Because, I mean, he still looks like John John out there. Mm. He's uh, silky smooth. I mean, the conditions were that friendly. Like, there wasn't that kind of skitty, howling offshore that you get at Jaws. So they were kind of able to chip into him. Uh, that starting bowl was just fucking, you know, reminiscent of the thundercloud. Yeah, born. yeah. Uh, and then it kind of taper off. I, was, I guess it gets must drop off super deep there. But it was just, like, it, it, the, the perfection... Did no justice to just how heavy it was. It was yeah. so big and so ridiculously quick. Like, I mean, that was the other thing. There weren't a hell of a lot of makes from that session. But mm. dudes were out there just fully packing it. Mm. And um, the the Mark Healy wipeout in, in the base of that one where he just body surfaces. How, how many more beatings can that guy take, Smithy? How, how many times do you step into the ring and just get your head bashed and pulverised by the opponent before you go... Right, I've had enough. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. He gets his wins. He gets his runs on the board. Mm. He sees shit that we will never see. Mm. But, jeez, he cops it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, the term uh, condom full of walnuts gets thrown around mm. all too loosely these days. <laughs> it does. But uh, you cop a squeeze at the rig Mark Healy's packing and, wow, are mm. you kidding me? He's got uh, – he kind of – he's – Abdominal region It's reminiscent of uh, That scene in Alien When the facehugger's Trying to burst out of uh, Burst out of the The character's chest there mm. or, or stomach I mean he's just packing Muscle on top of muscle On top of slabs of meat And jerky And biltong The whole world. Yeah but it's a weird It's, it's an abattoir in there <laughs> It's an interesting looking Cut though isn't it yeah, what's he's, going he's on He's also there? got the uh, The physique of a, Like an Irish pub fighter Like a street brawler From like the, the Early 1800s or something mm. He's got that worn in Tough Maybe the freckles, maybe the, the, the red hair, maybe all of that. Mm. Just, it all combines to make this sort of throwback to the days where, you know, these muscly little units you would just get around and they were just invincible. Mm. Yeah. He uh, definitely seems to be some kind of Marvel comic hero. Mm. He is... Uh, might mean, be a good one to chuck at Marvel. Mm. Might be a good one. Little Healy figurine. Get him in there. Mm. Throw mm. him in. Fuck Why this not? whore character. Oh, whore? <laughs> Gore, even? <laughs> Fuck him off. Can barely pack a three-foot cone in Lennox head. Oh, mate. Yeah, that's true. No, I take it back. I take it back. I don't want to uh, piss the almighty Thor off uh, the vaudevillain of... The Northern Rivers that he is, I'm sure his helicopter will be hovering over my mole plantation at uh, any second and uh, be off of my head, Vaughn. <laughs> Just as long as he doesn't steal your crops, Mivy. That's right. Don't rip me crop, Thor. Uh, other highlights from uh, that swell. I thought I thought the Jaws session, like the Jaws session will be forever remembered for the moment that women surfing had its Brock little barrel at Waimea. Mm. Justine Dupont. Justine Dupont. Dupont? Yeah. Dupardieu? Packing the fucking mega monitor. Doing the Pete Mill, but mm. at Jaws. On the cover of the new Surfing World, by the way. Sean has just released it. Oh, well played. Hot off the Deep press. Deep in the pit. Polishing off his gold cone piece. But, for, for like, you think about how quickly women's surfing is progressing, right? Mm. Like, we, we talk about it all the time. In every level, from like juniors to aerials to to big wave surfing to pipeline to everything that's going on, this was the moment that it's it's almost like uh, it it even defies what we've seen at Jaws with the paddle in and the women's event and Laura Enova going over the falls and everything Paige Arms has done and 
Kiala at big, big chopes. Like for some reason, this just seems to eclipse it all because it's just such a perfectly ridden wave, man. Mm, and harrowing. Sets it up, just backdoors that big slab and just comes out in a big old spit and everything about it is just technically on edge and perfect. And I reckon fucking Justine Dupont is probably the greatest female big wave surfer in the world right now. Mm. And I, as I was like sort of like doing a bit of research on this whole thing, Smithy, did you know that there's a, a Red Bull big wave women's event on right now? I did not. Yeah. It's called uh, the Red Bull Magnitude and it's uh, basically the Hawaiian winter. They're going to give 25 grand to the best performer over the whole Hawaiian winter. And uh, get on their website and have a squeeze. Mm. Have a look at some of the shit that has been going down to, to not so much fanfare. There is unbelievable shit, mate. There's uh, women charging Waimea on that massive day that, you know, everyone was saying second biggest day uh, since the 2016 Eddie. We've got Justin Dupont at uh, Jaws and at Mavericks. And just glass ceilings being smashed everywhere, mate. Mm. And then we got Laura Enova, you know, at home just packing the slab, mate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the uh, photo from the shoulder of Justine Dupont is one of the all-time shots of a woman surfer. Yeah. Like, hard to see it being topped uh, in the next decade. It hasn't been topped in the decade mm. previous. It's wild. Just the amount of weather. At play there, just fucking a thousand knots offshore, this wild, woolly, chandeliery, like not chandeliery, but it's just a threatening, not a friendly looking cone whatsoever. Yeah, it's just, it's nothing and, about and, and, it looks fun. That's what drives me mad about. It's like it's like Nazare and, and Jaws never look like fun. They look like you're hanging on. It's like you're on a fucking uh, a flock of wild horses and they're all just galloping over fucking you know, the boulders at Lennox. Mm. It's just like every it's just tragedy and and death at every turn. And just to navigate all that and get through it. A flock? A flock of horses? Yeah, something like that. A fucking a herd? What, you, what is a... What, what, what's the fucking collective noun for horses, Smithy? A throng? A thong? <laughs> a thong of horses? I don't know. Oh, mate. Anyway, yeah. Fucking just women surfing in, in this particular big wave season has just fucking blown my face off. What about the, uh, you know, what sort of skill level does it take to tow? I mean, are, are we putting that above some of Paige Arms, kind of West Bowl cones, Jaws? I mean, oh, the Justine yeah, Dupont effort. I, I don't, for me, I don't think it eclipses that. I think the the theatre of it, the the photo, the the mortal conequence of it uh, is worthy of all the acclaim that it's going to get. Just from a technical surfing mm, standpoint, it seems to I, me I though. Don't know if it's well, yeah, that used to be a big argument, but the big argument now is not the argument. The thing that sort of like rinsed that away a little bit is that big wave surfers genuine generally won't let skis in the water if it's paddleable. So that goes for everyone. Like you can't just paddle. Like you won't see uh, Justine Dupont towing if everyone else is paddling. She'll be out there paddling too. I'd, I'd imagine. So uh, this is this is. This is uh, sort of what has slowed that argument down over the years because even uh, everywhere you go, you've just got people going, it's a toe day or it's a paddle day and seldom do the two sort mm. of cross over. I hate to be a cynic, but I do believe there is, uh, in toe surfing, there is a bit of a, a cash to be made. There is a bit of a niche to be exploited there mm. um, if you're willing to grab a hold of the rope and just get whipped into whatever the fuck your ski driver wants to whip you into. Um, and it can end terribly. I mean, we've seen Maya Gabera nearly die a couple times, yeah. uh, like literally being dead and had to be resuscitated. And uh, I just, 
I, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's um, I think it's not cynical, mate. It's actually like it's legitimate. Like yeah. uh, like the biggest problem with uh, and and getting back to that ski guy, the biggest problem with uh, you know tow rope cowboys or whatever is that anyone can basically let go. Like how do you how do you police who's up for it and who isn't? Because well, anyone can right. do it. It's just sort of like how, how many other lives are you going to put in danger by getting in the wrong spot and getting fucked up on the inside? Mm. And when there's 25 grand on the line and you don't really need any well, – you need skill, but you don't need the level of skill that, say, uh, you know, a page arms or, or someone who's, mm. who's paddling jaws on the reg has. Uh, it's a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, it's, that wave required an incredible read to, uh, you know, fade and fucking pull up inside that thing. But yeah, I just wonder, you know, there's a there's definitely a consequence. If you're not cut out for that level of surfing, if you don't have the skill level, um, I think you get found out and it's fucking brutal mm. when you do. So, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, I think, with regards Laura Enover as well. Um, you know, best of luck to him. We've seen what happened to Mark Matthews, um, you know, a guy who's paddled and, uh, and, and towed at yep. the highest levels. So, it, there's just well, a, a gnarly ends there. Mate, there's always a price to pay, Smithy. That's the thing, mate. You know, if you're going to get out there, if you're going to do this, you choose this life. At some point, the reality of it is going to fucking slap you in the face. And I feel like the reality is more ever-present in that tow realm than in the paddle realm. Mm. I feel like uh, there's just a limit to what you can get yourself into on a nine-foot board with purely uh, the strength that you've got in your sinew mm. as opposed to that water horse. Yeah. Well, there's also something to be said for just those uh, maniacs who just grab their fucking 10-footer, go down the beach, no cameras, no crowds, no fanfare and just fucking paddle out. Hell men lords, hell women lords, love them. And uh, highlights from the Hawaiian winter, just quickly. Mm. Oh, huge winter. Um, Pipeline off the wall, backdoor, that stretch. Yeah, I thought uh, the Colapinto boys obviously mm. just announced themselves as probably guys who were going to be heading in that Dorian Williams sort of uh, realm of being. Archie Wardo. Yeah. San Clemente's finders. Exactly, mate. That, that realm of guys who they come out when they're grommets and everyone's just blown away by their flashy surfing and then all of a sudden they turn up to these waves and just thread them and fucking send it harder than just about anyone. We've got a lot. Of, we've got probably 15, 20 years of some of the best backdoor performances coming up that we'll ever see. And and both those guys, those Colapinto boys, sending at Halieva and Sunset as well. Not too many weaknesses there, Smith. Mm. And uh, John Florence and Chris Amore taking out the vans online, triple crown. Huge results for them. Uh, John for that, uh, that I guess that. Ooh, that steering carve. Oh, wild. I mm. mean, uh, yeah. Hard to Where argue. does he get his speed from, Vaughn? That's what I want to know. The I speed. about it. He's more body. speed than a Bandito's convention at Brisbane, Vaughn. <laughs> more speed than me mate Zayed there in Berlin. It's just radical. <sighs> Oh, yeah. What he's having? Yeah. Give me some of your speech. <laughs> it's so funny, man. I was just thinking about this two days ago. Uh, remember when he first got on tour and everyone was kind of like um, sort of doing the old poo-wee, whiffy-whiff on his frontside hack? Everyone was like, yeah, he's got to sort that out. And now he's just whatever it is that his body does. I, I don't know if it's top-heavy or whatever, but he seems to just throw his, his the top half of his body into it as he comes off the top and then it just acts like a giant pendulum and it just gets faster and faster the more he goes through a turn. I don't know many people who can do that. And, uh, yeah, but well earned. It didn't really look in doubt, did it, for John John? No, and I guess he uh, sealed the deal with a, a pipe cone. It was kind of one of those, uh, 
I've seen a couple of them this season. Guys are coming around the section, kind of snapping it backside mm. under the lip and just pretty much pressing pause mm. as the uh, the wave just cannons past That's- them before they come out. With this spit, it's a wild kind of new school approach to surf and pilot. Well, it shades of Tommy Carroll. Oh, that's what the I was going to say, mate. Itself. Fucking bring the bottom turn back at pipe. You, you hear people say it all the time. Like, sliding in off the takeoff. I get it. I get it. It's it's technically fucking amazing. And, th- like, how late you've got to go under the lip just to put yourself in that position where you're in the pit as you've fallen, you know? Unbelievable. But... Some reason, just flying down, doing a huge bottom turn, snapping it, getting sucked up high, and then just you, you're hanging on to the bull. It's it. fuck, it's good surfing, man. Fuck, it's wild. It's so good to watch. Imagine the uh, the curve that they're snapping it onto. Mm. You know, just like this curved out, oh, thick as fuck nub, oh. snapping it in that pocket onto a foam ball at warp speed. Mm. I mean, the ability to do that and is a, just the ability ratty. to stop dead. And just watch it all just fucking cone over you. Like, mate, must be must be a view that only a handful of crew can really appreciate. And I guess uh, I'd love to see the, the water angle of that wave, but I guess they're, you know, John snapping it and just fully confident that he can stick that turn onto the phone ball and the phone ball's just going to throw him out like a poison dart. Mm. <sighs> fucking technique, mate. Incredible. Uh, well done to Carissa as well. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to our favourite Swellian Queen, B Mac. She took out because uh, they had individual events, right? And I think she took out Sunset, which, again, you know, in a year without a CT, if you think about, I don't know, uh, if it had all gone according to plan, G Land, what we saw uh, B Mac doing up at at Toomey's mm. over the past winter, G Land, Chopu, Pipeline, and Sunset. She's got a mm. Sunset. You know, digital win under her belt. Mm. Woo-wee, Smithy. Things are fucking heating up for mm. B-Mac and D-Mac and the whole Mac team. Gath on! Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I'd have to say also, Vaughn, I concur. Hard to go past Griffin Colapinto, put in three months over there, surfed all kinds of conditions from four foot to 20 foot third reef pipe and uh, packed a ton of rompers in the protests. In the process. Mm including two absolute stoinkers. I had a chat with him about his Hawaiian winter. Let's hear it. Talk us through, I guess, your kind of favourite wave from the winter so far. And, um, yeah, man, tell us, like, everything about that entire session, including the wave. I feel like that the one big backdoor ride I had at the beginning of, or kind of, like, more middle of the beginning of the season, that was, like, a big wave. That was probably my most, like, I don't know, that one definitely felt really good because it, it was just such a, like, big wave and, like, everyone, it was, like, sunset and everyone was at the houses and, like, yeah, it just was pretty crazy feeling that one. Um, but then I had that other wave where I kind of, like, disappeared for a little while, like, looked like I was maybe not going to make it and it closed out on me, but then it came out and I was, I don't know, I almost thought that one was, was better, like, more, just more surprising because I just didn't think I was going to make it and then, and then, like, everything just opened up again. So that was, I don't know, the other one was cool because it was, like, afternoon, like, had all the feelings and stuff, but then the other one was more of, like, a, that one was more for the soul, you know? <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. And what about, like, um, I guess talk us through the session. Like, I mean, do you build up to, to throwing yourself down a shaft like that? Like, do you warm up with a couple of smaller ones? Or, like, how does it kind of eventuate that you end up just going on something as psycho as that, I guess? Um, yeah, 
I just, I try not to think about the consequences of what can happen out there, you know, I just, I, I kind of gotten good, I feel like, at like kind of noticing what thoughts come into my head and when I see kind of, when I notice thoughts that are, are like negative thoughts, I'm able to kind of block them out and then when a wave's coming to me, I, I heard or I read this one thing once that when like, when someone gets put in a super life-threatening situation, that's when you're like the most present and that's why people like, do stuff like that, like rock climbing with no rope and stuff like that because they like feeling present. And so I just trust that my instincts are going to like take over and that everything will just uh, happen the way it's supposed to. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Um, wow. And can you talk me through your Hawaii season? So like when you arrived, um, you know, what you might have done differently this year as opposed to previous years? Uh well, I had a girlfriend during the off-season, and then we ended up splitting up right before Hawaii, and I kind of feel like I just, like, I don't know, when something happens to me that's, like, kind of a bummer, I'm able, I feel like I'm able to kind of, like, take that and, and use it as, like, fuel to the fire type thing, so I kind of felt like that might help. Wow, yeah. And, um... Like so, when did you arrive, and how long of a stint are you doing in the north, like uh, on the North Shore? Because I understand you're still there now. Yeah, I've been here for just over three months, but I'm going home tomorrow. So, but it's been the longest I've ever been here at one time, and I'm so lucky that the waves have been firing. Yeah. So, when about when uh, during that three months did you feel like you were finding a rhythm over there, and uh, you know things were starting to really go your way? Uh, well, the season kind of started out, like, at Rocky. Like, every day we were just going to Rocky and just surfing out a bunch. And then kind of just, I had, like, this really good routine in the morning where I'd, I'd like, get up and I'd, first thing I'd do a little bit of, like, reading and then, and then, like, close my eyes for, like, 20 minutes. And then, like, that would be the first thing. Oh, and then make my bed. And then that would be the first thing I'd do before I, like, go on my phone and, so, like, just, like, straight in the morning, I just felt like I had, like, the clearest headspace. I'd already got a couple of things done, and I just, like, felt so good throughout the day. Like, every day I just feel like everything else is just, like, better, you know? Wow, that's sick, man. That's really fascinating about that routine. That's um, really mature, you know? A lot of guys don't don't really cotton on to the importance of having a, a morning routine and just a daily routine and structure uh, until much older than you. Um can you, t- can you take me back to the start of your relationship with Pipe? You know, like your first season there, how difficult it was, how scary the waves and the locals were? Yeah, uh, yeah when I first came out, I was 12 years old, and I had always heard the stories of like, it being super scary. And then I remember I was here when I was here when um, Makua and TJ Barron got into their whole thing. I remember seeing that, how, like, started at Pipe and it came to the story later that was pretty crazy and like I don't know I'd always just been like super timid in the lineup so like yeah, I always wanted to kind of like go on the bigger waves but I was always super scared of the locals of like accidentally like burning them or something so like now that I have uh, I'm getting a little bit of recognition I feel like more comfortable with all the locals and, and like if a wave comes to me not in position 
that I want to go, you know? So I just, I feel like it's kind of just like getting more comfortable with all the locals here and like being friends with them helped a lot. Okay, yeah, mantle. And and who's really helped you survive uh, and eventually thrive on the North Shore? Uh, I'd say the Monizas are, and, well, the Monizas, yeah, are probably like a huge part of that because, I don't know, they're just like, they're so well respected over here and everyone loves them and respects them and I'm really good friends. They're like, Josh and Seth are like some of my best friends. And so it's just cool, like, palling out with them and just feeling like, you know, that I'm with them. I feel like that helps a lot. Yeah, that's classic. And, you know, Tony's like an icon, like a fucking legend of the game. Um, what sort of advice uh, have they had for you over the years in navigating the North Shore? Uh, and also, yeah, I mean, I guess just how, how, how have they helped you specifically? Um, they just kind of, they just taught me, like, respect and how to respect everyone and call people, like, um, Uncle and Auntie and stuff over here. So I got pretty used to calling everyone Uncle and Auntie. And I don't know, it doesn't feel like awkward for me to say that. So I just, it makes me feel like, like more at home, I feel like. Yeah. And uh, what improvements have you made to your approach? Uh, I guess particularly at pipe, backdoor, off the wall, since you first started there. Um, what improvements? Um, I think I've, this last this last year before or before I came to back or this season I went on that indoor boat trip I went with Kolohe and Ukraine and my brother and Bruce Davis and we were on the boat trip for like like almost a month in uh, in the mentalized and I just we just got we scored like it, like so many good barrels it was crazy no one out and that, that's kind of where I felt like I really improved on my barrel riding. I, it really it really helped over here in fact some some things like that I worked on helped a lot okay yeah for sure I can see that and 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 reflecting on your contest results um yeah like what did you make of your pipe masters performance um i i thought like i thought i did pretty like i thought things kind of just didn't really go my way like i thought my first heat, I had an eight, and I was pretty stoked on that. And then my my next heat was with Pedersen. I only, only ended up catching two waves. Like the heat was super weird, and, and it was hard to, hard to read. Like one of those morning heats, and I let I let Pedersen go under priority on like some weird wide little left, and ended up like doubling up and got a seven. And then I only ended up catching two waves the whole heat. It was just, it was a bummer because I felt like I just didn't really get any opportunity. And I, I felt like really good about that contest. About if like I, if the wave came to me, like I was going to like make something happen. But it just never, it never happened for me. So, but it was all good because I still feel good about everything. Yeah. Um, and, and talk to us about like that pipe backdoor off the wall stretch. You know, what makes it so unique? What are the challenges? To, to performing well there, you know, and uh, I guess like, yeah, just how you've managed to kind of get past those challenges and become such a dominant force out there. Uh, yeah, I, I think just like staying here at the Billboard House every winter and then and when I was younger, I, I heard that Kelly, like all he would do is surf out at pipes, so I was like, oh, well, 
that's what I got to do then. So I would just, any any day like that was going to be good on the North Shore, you know, there's so many options. There's like a Northwest swell, but I'd always just drop the back door pipe like every time that there's waves. Like, I would never go to Rockies or Sunset or Hollywood. I'd just surf out there every time. So I feel like I just like feel really comfortable and like know how to read a lot of the waves, like the right, like this year I was just trying to, I was really trying to like learn the less more, but I marked because I already feel super comfortable on the right, so I'm just trying to like really get the left figured out now. Yo, yo. Um, and what are some of the like finer points of surfing there? Like what are the tricks of the trade that you've picked up, uh, you know, where to sit, like um, I guess like certain uh, nuances that the waves uh, have there? Yeah, I, I, when I paddle out, I try and ask them a little bit kind of like where they, where they like to line up. Like I've asked Jamie before and he gave me some good advice and then even just like knowing like how far out and how far out to get. Like sometimes there could be those like double up ones that kind of like come underneath and get bigger underneath. So that when, when I free surf out there, I, I kind of sit underneath the pack because I can't really sit out there because I won't get away. So I'm always sitting underneath the pack. And I almost think that's an advantage in a way because you're like seeing more waves and like learning more like what each wave is doing. So, yeah. Wow, yeah, fascinating, man. Um, and, and you've said it's, you know, your favorite wave on earth pretty much. Uh, like, I guess, backdoor specifically. What do you love about it so much? Uh, I just love that it has such a variety of, like, looks out there. Like, you could be, like, perfect barrel, like, that sand can fill in over the reef. It could be, like, a running right with, like, a couple good sections or, like, you could do air sometimes. It's just, like, super, it could be super rippable. And, like, or not, there's just so many different looks to it. So, so unique. Yeah, classic. And do you set goals or objectives heading into a season? And uh, if so, like what were they, and did you achieve them? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, don't know, I always try and set like, the thing of like wanting to get better, to like in my my surfing, like wanting to get like ten percent better or something, or like figuring out what it is like my weaknesses and trying to work on that. So I can, I'll write that down and try and. That yeah, and what does that look like at Pipe? Do you feel like you, um, or Backdoor, do you feel like you achieved that this winter? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of good tactics on my left this winter through so many swells. Yeah, I'm just trying to get that backside technique better. It's so, it looks like the coolest thing ever to be good at, so I just want to keep working on that like AI and John John and stuff they just make it look so good and so fun so if I can get it to that level then that's all be satisfied see and finally man just uh, you know what are your definitive memories from this season like big swells standout performances uh, waves that you saw go down um yeah I mean my brother I've been really impressed with my brother he's been getting so many crazy waves like, off the wall and stuff and you know Pipe he got a pretty crazy one out there and he's only 19 he's, he's doing way better than, than I was doing at 19 out there I think already so yeah I'm, 
I really impressed with guys. Sick. Oh, and finally, I forgot to ask you, man, does it trip you out, like, being a, a kid from California and, and just being able to command the kind of waves that you do at a wave like that? To, to command? Yeah, like, just being a kid from, from California and, and being able to really, like, just command and, and get, like, the quality of waves that you do at a wave that is as contested as Pipeline, you know, does it trip you out being able to just fucking go bombs out there? Like, not, not many uh, mainlanders yeah, seem to achieve that feat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know. It's pretty cool because you, you look at all the guys before us that came from St. Many, like Chris Ward and guys like Archie and all those guys, you know, they, I don't know, whenever they come to Hawaii, they're always really, just really well here in charge and we're super good at barrel riding. You kind of, like, look at those guys and, and they're from your hometown. You're like, well, if they can do it, fuck, I could do it too. And, and it kind of makes you feel, I don't know, you feel like you need to, like, carry that on because they were they were doing that at such a high level that we need to, like, make sure we keep, keep carrying that kind of that energy. Oh, fuck yeah, I love that. That is sick. Um, all right, man, well, thanks so much for chatting to us. All right, yeah, yeah no worries. Number three. Number three. Stab has released its Surfer of the Year poll, a kind of, uh, I guess it's the, what's become of the Surfer poll. Yeah, RIP. but with one major difference is that the Surfer poll was a popularity comp because that was voted for by readers. Mm. This is, I think, arguably the biggest peer poll ever mm. conducted. You, you've got 50 surfers. Uh, I think they take maybe 10% of their count from their, their premium readership, which yep. I, I'm not sure what the numbers are on that, but uh, everyone gets kind of a little bit of a say there to sort of sway the result. But 50 surfers, Smivy, uh, everyone from, you know, your Kai Lennies, your Mason Hoes, uh, you, you've got photographers in there, you've got filmmakers in there, you've got Woozle crew in there, you've got, uh, you know, free surfers in there. You've got basically all walks of life covered. Uh, from all areas of surfing, and everyone chucks in their votes. It's, it's it's a pretty good format, and it's a really big compliment for whoever wins it, I think. Mm. I mean, you know, every time – I remember when we were doing Surfing World uh, 300, the 300 issue, and we were sort of going, how do we make a fucking poll that isn't subjective or just, you know, um, swayed by pop, popular opinion or by uh, bias or, you know, all these different things? And so we ended up counting every single photo that had ever been in every surfing world for th- since 1962. Wow. And we made a poll. And we uh, Simon Anderson won it. He'd been the most exposed surfer in surfing world. So it was a poll without su- subjectivity. But with this one, I think the reason why it's worth taking note of is because you're talking to the most informed, influential surfers on the planet mm. or the people who are around that scene and you get a really good indication of – of sort of what matters, mm. what sort of surfing matters. Mm. And that, that's pretty much reflected in the results, I reckon. Absolutely. The tribe has spoken, <clears throat> and it is none other than JJF, uh, the top surfer of 2020. What makes him so popular to you? Is it just the fact that he is just such an ocean man that he can paddle out in fucking anything and be the best? Mm. Is it that simple? Yeah, he's just so well-rounded. Be- There's no weakness. Beyond this, the, the Apart from hucking backflips when he doesn't need to and popping his ACL. <laughs> but that's it, eh? Like, mm. I mean, without the woozle, he's still probably the number one surfer in the, everyone's minds, which is pretty phenomenal because where would Gabby rate 
it, without the wuzzle. Mm. You know, he would get a big, big boost up those ratings pure through the admiration of just how much of a fucking cunt he is in a heat. Mm. Yeah, interesting question. I mean, uh, Gabby doesn't even rate in the top five. Mm. Of our stabs. Italo finished second, though. Uh, Overall, I think. And then, uh, but what, like the two names in there that say a lot about where we're at is Mason Ho, number five, and Kai Lenny at number four. This is on the men's side. Um, I think Griffin Colapinto, uh, your boy finished third, Smith. So there's a lot to like in that list. And uh, it just shows you just that everyone's getting off on different things, mate. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, Jack Robinson squeaking in there. I don't know if <laughs> I'm looking at some poll. This could be just – oh, this is Kelly Slater and the Stab Premium. Yeah, so this is Slater's picks, right? which I found interesting as well because he had John John number one, Mason Ho number two. And I think I'm almost in perfect sync with that. I think I'd, I'd have Mason number one though. I was chatting with Ozzy the other day. We were talking about Mason Ho's 2020 highlights. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Mate, drop everything if you haven't seen it. Go and watch it. Uh, Oz and I were talking about it the other day, and he goes, man, have you watched that Mason Ho highlights video from 2020? And I was like, yeah, I, ha- I hadn't watched it yet. And he goes, mate, it's like he's the best surfer in the world by so far that he makes everyone else surfing look depressed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's kind of right. I was watching it going, fuck, this guy is having the sickest time. Everything that he does is done with so much flamboyance and fucking pure just expression. Even coming up the rocks, even rolling across yeah, lava. He's, he's the just fucking Hendrix of, our t- of, of, of surfing and our time. Like, that's the thing that they always say about Hendrix. There was no thought. There was just only expression. It was all freestyle and fucking wild. And that's why the music sort of always fits so perfectly with whatever's going on in he- in his clips. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That, uh, you know, there's this, that 10,000 hours principle. Uh, you put 10,000 hours into mm. your craft and you become a virtuoso. And then at that, once you reach that virtuoso point, you can begin to fuck with the medium. Yeah. You can begin to fuck with the craft. Yes. Reinvent the craft. Yes. Take it into this kind of experimental, avant-garde, savant oath, kind of space. And that's exactly yes. where Mason resides right now. Uh, just some of the waves he's surfing... Uh, that 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 kind of guillotines esque fucking Hawaiian slab. Uh, him and Sheldon Pison, Pation, whatever the fuck his Pais, name is. Pison. Yeah, yeah. That, that slab. Uh, I mean Mason's approach it's, to that stand talls in front of the most prickly oh, lava. Oh, it's just is, wild, wild surfing. It's just a fucking like he's the biggest wake up call to any surf you've ever paddled out in and gone. It's fucking shit out here. Like, you cannot do that with Mason's brain. I reckon he paddles out regardless if it's like half an inch or, or breaking into a rock or fucking backwash off a cliff or fucking third reef pipeline roll-ins and he's just going, this is fucking way better than anything else I could be doing with my life. You know what I mean? Like, every surf he paddles out in, he's going, this is way more fun than anything else I could be doing. That is the best lesson that we all need to take away from Mason Ho. Agreed. Anyway, well played on the uh, on the results there. In the women's side of things, Smivy, the most interesting number there, aside from Steph Gilmore winning, I think everyone just really appreciates style and substance yeah. over a- anything else. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But Sierra Kerr, top five, mm. from all of those surfers polled, bravo. Mm. Well played. Golf claps all round. Well played. 
that's that's a huge that's 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 the kind of uh, attention that reminds me of what Chris Moore was getting at fourteen. Mm, mm, you yeah, know, you, you could see it coming a mile away. Game changer alert! Game changer alert! Mm. Yeah, there's some core lord royalty offspring in the mix there. Jackson Dorian also, you know, rating pretty highly, and uh, it's it's wild to see the spawn. Of absolute surfing greats come of age, isn't it, Vaughn? It's mad. Develop and just turn into the ultimate water women and men. It's it's so awesome to watch, isn't it? Because you can't help it. You can't help it. go, where is this life going? Mm. Where is this surfing going? Look what Mace did with all of that just Hawaiian fucking aloha and mana that Michael Ho and Derek Ho brought to surfing. Mm. He's taken it to an entirely different level. Mm. And, uh, you know... Dorian, he was one of the, the first guys doing airs and progressive surfing for our generation. And now Jackson's like doing shit in the pool that he would, Dorian would only, Shane would have only dreamed of. Where next, mate? Mm, Where mm. to next? Yeah, I mean, what do you reckon the path will be for Sierra and Jackson? Uh, do you think it'll be the contest route? Or do you think they're going to go the Mason Ho virtuoso, Sid Freak, stonery fucking <laughs> call or? You reckon Sierra will right. be throttling a couple of gator bugs and just <laughs> packing warped out slabs in a gaff? Yeah. Well, I hope so, mate. That would be all time. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I'm actually glad that I don't know because uh, either way, I'm happy. I'll, I'll be stoked to watch those guys surf. Huge props as well, Smithy. Sorry to uh, just spin off, but while we're on Groms. Jai Glinderman, Glinder. a grommet from Lennox Head. Mm. This time last year... Just another face with a sticker, you know, in the sea of Australian junior talent. Now voted by the world's best surfers as the best kid his age in the world. Defeating Eli Hanneman, who what? I, I don't know if you've seen that kid surf much, but like he's packing him at pipe. He's like a standout in the pool. He's got progressive surfing on a string. And something is brewing with mm. style and rail, mm. mate. Like it's, and the, I think maybe even as a, a retort to pool surfing mm. and jumping around and acting like a fucking little frisbee. Uh, we've got a kid who is speaking to people of all style, of all sort of, you know, approaches and appreciations. Mm. Purely based on just his read of a wave. Remarkable, That's isn't it? That's fucking incredible. The mate. surfing tribe has spoken and they've nominated style as the ultimate criteria for excellence. We just uh, wonder if the WSL judges will get the memo. Well, let's hope so, Smithy! Oh, finally, we cannot let Stab Awards or Peepole or what's it called? Surf of the Year go past without full props and mad respect for Wade Goodall, our boy. Taken out Surf Lick of the Year Mm. as voted by his peers, Mm. a bloke who just keeps it real up there in bangers, Mm. goes to the pub. Has his scoo, mm. goes home, mm. looks after his family, mm-hmm. sneaks off down to fucking New Brighton, mm. surfs the shores with old Hazza, mm. might get a clip here and there. Congrats, mate. That well is played. so well earned. Yeah. Every orb you pulled into last year, respected, and the filmmaking vision, turning the fucking pentagram upside mm. down, surfing the five points of the fucking unholy star, mate. Great concept, and uh, congrats. The good old uh, Shane Fletcher and Wade Goodall for turning out Surf Movie of the Year. In my view, absolutely the correct call. Mm. 
Tap into our full-length feature with Goodsy Bra. This is your life, Goodsy Bra, mm. on the uh, YouTube channel for a compilation of the best clips from Pentecostal and a long-form interview with the Sunny Coast's absolute finest. Uh, on YouTube. On YouTube. Hey, that's well YouTube. And right? on Spotify. Uh, why, why don't we just let's, – let's take a little bit from that, that episode. Just uh, it's some choice words from Goodsy Bra about the project. <laughs> Oh, that swell came up and we just sort of, me and Shana just went for it and was like, this is make or break. Um, and it was psychotic. We booked the flights, drove straight from port to the airport overnight in Brizzy and flew there. And if anyone's been there, they know the trek that it is. Um, even though we're rocking up late, it might have been windy. You get, it's, you, it's a roll of the dice for sure. But um, I've had a good track record and I know and. I know people that know that wave really well, so I'm always in their ear. Mm. <laughs> Pretty quick. Scardi, Alois from P-Pass. Um, the pass depends on the swell, but uh, you're usually in for three days at least in a swell, mm. the ones I've gone on anyway. So I, we rocked up the morning of the what was meant to be the biggest, and I remember getting like off the plane and my friend Mitch, who has a camp there from Hawaii, he, uh, he's like, it's the best day we've seen in ages, mate. And I was like just yelling at the baggage handlers to hurry up. We got out the front. I, there was a bunch of Japanese guys with us staying at the camp and I was picked up their board bags and threw them in the van before it had even <laughs> stopped. And they were freaking out on me. I was like, we gotta, we got to fucking go right now. And we got out there at like lightning. Speed. Did he bow? Did he bow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because so, I thought that was the day and that's the, as soon as we could get there, you know, we knew we were going to miss that morning. But um, that day turned out amazing. And then the next day turned out amazing and then the next little bump ended up being bigger um so it was just like three days of like good size pee pass and and really really uncrowded like i surfed a good chunk of that by myself for three days and uh vaughn big strain energy huge Australian energy in the uh, top five surf films of the year. Uh, West, West, West Australian in, uh, in particular. I mean, Pentecostal obviously taken out. That's an east coaster there in uh, Goody. But mm. then uh, number two, we had Spirit by Jay Davies. Um, oh, the the follow-up was... to Native. I thought Native, for my Native was more shocking because mm. uh, it, it suddenly just exploded into my pineal gland <laughs> uh, like a bomb. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. and, uh, yes, I was just kind of fucking rattled and rocked to the core by the just manhandling of cones of mortal coniquence. And our spirit, uh, again, you know, r- straight in that exact mm. same sweet spot of just fucking wrangling superhuman Indian Ocean power combined yep. with ultra hefty man hacks just cleaving it and just spinning through the air like some fucking jacked up Eastern European ballerina <laughs> gymnast. It's, uh, it's, it's a strange, a strange, strange thing to behold, Vaughn, but uh, I'll behold it all day long. Oh, man, yeah. Incredible result there for uh, a bunch of just fucking cool old Aussies packing it in the Monstro Cones, we've, we've been saying it for a while. West Australia has the mortgage yeah. on just underground chew-pick maniacs. Uh, at number three, Jacob Wilcox by default. One of the uh, cl- easily one of the clips that you like. That the, if you're trying to separate these these films, it's almost impossible to do. Mm. Like uh, the 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 barrel carnage of Pentecostal up against 
the fucking that the, even just that one wave at the end of By Default, and then oh sorry, yeah sorry, Spirit Jay Davies absolutely fucking going bananas. That that was like the biggest fucking announcement for Jacob Wilcox mm. of all time. That movie, mm. it was just everything about it. Like you said, that like the shock that you had to go through and deal with and whim off your way out mm. of once you saw uh, Native. I felt the same about the By, uh, by, by Default. default. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I was absolutely fizzing out of my fucking skin after that last wave in that movie. That big oh. fucking collapsing, just slabbage that he pulls into and just gets absolutely cane out of his dial. Mm. Yeah, I mean, oh. we're talking... Uh, yeah. yeah, talking about the greatest uh, waves ever packed on this continent, I think that Chippo, that Chippo Toomey slab you're talking about mm. definitely rates... Yeah. Um, and then just going down the list, more West Oz NRG soft serve uh, featuring Kale Walsh at number four. Huge result. I mean, again, another another kind of underground call order just burst onto the scene in a hail of spit and glory. Mm. And rotators just into the flats. Oh, huge. He's actually, he's cut from the same cloth as like Goodsy in terms of how fearless he was or is with his legs, you know? Mm. Like, Goodsy as a young fellow would just send it as high and as far out into the fucking flat, dead water as he could. And he paid the price. Two broken mm. legs there, Smith. Mm. But three, in fact. Three, sorry. Three broken legs. But, uh, yeah, Kale, uh, this is a huge result for him because the, the Jay Davies clip stuck out in my mind right from the word go, the second I saw it. And um, the Wilcox clip came along a little later in the year so that was kind of fresh in my mind but kale dropped soft serve quite a long while ago and, and for everyone to still be sort of buzzing on it that's mm. massive props for him the surfing elite no less yeah, form the, the bourgeois elite. the bourgeois bra and uh i mean massive and, and well speaking, speaking, speaking of the bourgeois bra i mean uh, not a bad result for a, a blue collar tugboat driver <laughs> and jay davies coming in at number two yeah. in the uh, year's best surf films Amazing. punching his time card on the docks there it's uh Fremantle. but i think uh you know th- there's been clips that have been impressive throughout the year and have had incredible surfing but l- let's put the framework of a film, an idea and a concept around all of these offerings because that's what they've got. They've got like a, an effort has been made, you know, a, a fair bit of time has been dedicated to making sure that the product is a start to finish experience and I think that uh, that's probably why we're not seeing, you know, the, the best of Mason Ho 2020 because you, like you put those things together and you're watching two different things. Mm. But um, yeah, huge for uh, Kale and then, so it's all Aussies in the top five, right? Uh, uh, number five, the, the Hawaiian gang uh, Cloud Chase, Albie Layer and his mob. Oh, but equal with Laura Enova as well yeah. on both. So yep. so Enova uh, bringing it home mm. for the Aussies for a clean sweep. Whoa, you're joking. Yo, you Everybody gets the day off. You oh, we can't win a heat to save our fucking lives, but give us in the fucking swell and we'll pull it. Yeah, magic. Magic. Number two. Free scrubber breaks the internet born. <laughs> the uh, yes, me. The fifty-seven-year-old recluse Tom Curran scores three days running in the top ten YouTube posts in the world, and probably doesn't give a fuck. Nah, I doubt he's even seen the movie. I actually, <laughs> I fucking would be surprised if he sat down and watched it. 
Yeah, talk yeah. us through it. I mean, uh, incredible film. I loved it. I, I just, I, I loved it for Curran's personality. Mm. He's, to me, he kind of captures the essence of surf culture better than anyone. I think I said it to you. Uh, you know, it's kind of this. Uh, you know, this weariness of uh, too much of a good thing and, and you know, the kind of – he kind of uh, epitomises the, the pointlessness of surfing mm. too much. You know, if you surf too much and it's all you've ever done and you've uh, got a million and one tubes and you've surfed all the best <laughs> waves on the planet with no one out, at the end of the day, it, too much of a good thing. Mm. There is such a thing as too much hey, of a good he's thing. A, uh, Garth Dicko. Of all people, he, he moved down the south coast years and years ago. Uh, Garth Dicko, a DY boy, grew up in the city. Um, you know, unbelievable surfer, naturally gifted. Uh, features in quite a few of uh, Kidman's films over the years, Litmus and Glass Love and things like that. But um, I remember he moved down the south coast. And one day I was going for an early out at South Narrabeen. And I saw this this silhouette just sitting out there by, by, by himself. And I paddled out and it was Garth Dicko. And I went... Mate, I haven't seen you for ages. Where you been? He went, oh, yeah, I moved down the uh, south coast for, you know, 10 years or so. And I said, and how was it, mate? And he goes, well, I discovered that a man can get too barreled. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. That's like, you know, the rest of us are just stinging to get it. Like all, all we think is the more barrels I get, the happier I'm going to be. Mm. But for Curran, for Dicko, for guys who have literally dedicated their lives for fucking – to the inside of the orb, mm. there's a limit on what you can experience and the joy you can get out of it, probably. Mm. I mean, I think I understand why Karen's riding so many different boards and just trying to find new sensations. Mm. But you're right. I think uh, the reason why Karen is just so appealing to so many different people from so many different genres of or niches of surfing is because he, he fits every little part of it. He, he's a bit of everything to everyone. Mm. Uh, he's... He's the world champ, you know, three world titles. Like, there's only two guys who have done better. Um, a and couple none of, have won a, it from the trials. A couple have equaled. Yeah, none through the trials. Uh, he's had two periods in his life where he turned his back on everything and just went to be by himself mm. and go surf and experiment with board design. Responsible for what is probably still the greatest compilation of free surfing ever. Searching uh, for Tom uh, Curran uh, hasn't been topped in no, that. No, it's fucking like that. It's timeless surfing that will always be perfect, mm. pretty much. I mean, like every sort of line he draws, every barrel he gets in, in uh, searching for Tom Curran is surfing that will stand the test of time. Mm. Nothing goes out of out of fashion with Tom Curran. I feel it? like it's actually the pinnacle of surfing when boards, style, speed, mm. power, when it all just culminated in one human being at a time well, when also, surfing wasn't too crowded I, so he could get fucking crazy waves wherever he went. It just all pinnacled. That was the zenith mm. of surfing in my opinion. I think it's kind of uh, gone a little bit downhill. Yeah, I think Kidman and, um, and Curran and, and sort of like just between the two of them, they managed to introduce the idea that fucking – what sort of board you ride shouldn't be a reflection on what sort of surfer you are categorised as. Like, Curran made every board work. Every board looked good under his feet. Mm. And uh, Kidman was onto it. Like, we're back when the 90s wafers were just everywhere, uh, he, those guys were like, nah, these boards are actually fucking shithouse unless you're 1% of the 1%, the guys who can make them work. Uh, but, yeah, so Curran's like, he's a bit of – and the Misto vibes, mate, the, the sort of like Dora-like energy of just not understanding anything, like trying to get into his mind and figure out what's going on and 
never really having a clue, even when he was a world champ and having to do interviews and do all that shit. You never knew who the guy was. Yeah, the funny thing about my small interactions with him and the, the folklore I've copped about him mm. in my time working in surfing, uh, he, to me, he actually comes across as a really normal person who just rejects the, yeah. the pedestal that he's been put on and rejects all that kind of fucking weird ego and macho shit that, that swims around and circulates around surfing. Um, you know, he's very approachable and he's very approachable to normal people. He seems to really enjoy hanging out with like normal people who either don't know a whole lot about surfing or just don't really buy into the mm. whole fucking uh, social hierarchy of surfing. I mean, my two favorite stories about him, uh, one was, uh, I was down at, uh, Aussie pipe and a, a couple of guys, uh, were chatting about, uh, Karen. he was in around town somewhere and one of them came home to his, you know, seedy bong dungeon in Huskisson or St. George's Basin and who should be on the couch lunging a couple <laughs> but the three-time world champ himself just kicking back with the boys yeah. feet on his coffee table yeah. just ripping back a couple of hot ones Mate, he, and like so he's just he's in it for the journey you know mm. he's like a he, he says yes to things that you know it's kind of like that Kerouac on the road mentality you know a new experience is the is the the foundation of mm. a happy life new experience new sensation the, the other story I had uh can't remember who told me this. Maybe it was um old mate Steve who made that uh what's that film about Chile? Uh the Lennox guy, fuck Mimard Steve Di- Core. No, or it's shit. uh oh don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know I know who you're talking about though. I think it was Abbo. Someone was telling me that uh, you know, they're in Chile uh with Curran and there was a couple of hombres, you know, getting pissed on fucking rice wine, whatever the fuck they drink mm. over there on a street corner. Um, you know, Karen and the crew were kind of walking along and the crew kept walking. They looked back and uh, Karen was waffling on. They kept walking and then he was gone. <laughs> they didn't see him for hours. Yeah. And he uh, you know, rocked up pretty blind later on that evening. And they're like, where have you been? And he's, he was just, you know, mm. he speaks fluent Spanish. So he was just waffling on, having a couple with the lads. And, uh, you know, that's just the – yeah. that's how I live my life. Yeah. I love doing that. It's yeah. uh, just yeah. fucking – you connect with who you connect nah. with. You follow the 100%. weird tangents of life. Follow your passion – follow whatever pikes your interest and just fucking live it. Well, he obviously loves surfing. The only time he looks weary or disengaged is when people want to talk to him about surfing. Mm. So, like, I, I totally get why, uh, you know, uh, being removed from normal Californian life where, you know, like if, in surfing circles, he's about as big a celebrity as you can get. There's Kelly and there's him and there's probably a couple of other Californians. But he, he walks around in California and I'd imagine going to the beach must be a chore. Because even in the film, you know, like, when they're trying to engage him right at the start, where they're talking like, you know, what's the search mean to you? And like, he looks just like he can't be fucked even answering that question. Mm, mm. And it's uh, making him sick from the inside. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's just <laughs> so <laughs> off it. But then you watch him surf, and you know that he loves it. But mm. I just feel like, you know, it's like you say, like he's way more interested. It seems like in just being in the moment, enjoying what's around him. Yeah, looking at fucking dried up. Plants that are growing in the desert. Like, yeah. It's bizarre. My one interaction with him was actually at mm. J Bay just before that heritage heat with Oki. And, uh, you know, I was a very nervy 22 year old skinhead fucking delinquent. Um, and Karen was standing there behind me, and I, I simply asked, you know, like, uh, how are you feeling, man? Are you, are you nervous? And he's like, not really. Like the only thing that makes me nervous is just the quality of the waves out there right mm. now because it was fucking pumping. And then he went out and got a ten. Got a ten, yeah, amazing. It's just 
But yeah, he was, very, I don't, I don't he was very subdued and friendly and just yeah. kind of like uh, pretty nonplussed by the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and just managed to find an end section drainer. Well, that's it, man. I, I just like, look, the whole movie fell into my lap. I just got given the footage and I just thought, I know exactly what I want to do here. I just don't want to, uh, I don't want to get so tricky that I'm losing him. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew that it was going to be abstract because like everything about his just personality in that raw footage was so out there. But I was just like, okay, I'm just going to make little vehicles that uh, amplify just how fucking funny he is mm. and how, how cool he, he's being and how disengaged he is with COVID and the problems of the world. Like he's literally just there going, fuck yeah, I've got a right point. I'm here with a mate. What else do we need to talk about? Fucking, I don't need to know about COVID. I don't need to know about not getting no. over the border. I don't no. need to know about this fucking shit that mortals are concerned with. No, I can, I can condense all this into a keyboard riff. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that, that was really the goal. But it's, it's like hit a chord, which is awesome. And oh, I just want to say big, film. big thanks. Masterpiece. Big thanks to um, Nick Pollitt, who helped edit it. And uh, Andy Potts, who shot it all. So it's all him. Three months he sat with Bugs and Curran in that weird little twilight zone that they were inhabiting. How odd is that? Talk us through that. So the pandemic hits and they're stuck at uh, that Selena Cruz zone. Yeah, just down uh, in Mexico. everyone gets moved on except for them. Everyone gets moved on. uh, Military getting, like rounding up the gringos and shoving them over the border. But those guys at that stage wanted to stay and then they got fucking spooked and they wanted to go and they weren't allowed back into america so they did a couple of drives from the bottom of mexico all the way back up to the border and got turned around wow and it's uh yeah it's a fucking wild story man and maybe uh i think we'll get we're in the process of trying to get karen to talk he hasn't done a single like i said i I fucking honestly don't reckon he's seen the movie eh? i don't even know if he knows it's out and what were your dealings (laughs) with him in uh putting it together minor Two, two phone calls, four text messages. That was it. The, what that, was the content of the phone calls? Well, the one, one convo we had, which uh, I've said a few times, um, if people have listened to other potties or whatever, but the one thing that I said to him was uh, I said, hey, man, this footage is incredible. Like, it's just so free and loose, and I feel like, I get, like we're getting a real window into the real you, which I haven't really seen before. Uh, but I said, but I want to go pretty abstract with this. I want Because it felt to me like... Even though it was really funny, in the context of what was going on in the world, there was a sort of like this unsettling. It shouldn't be this cruisy. Like, there sh- remember where how we all felt when COVID kicked in? Like, no one knew what the fuck the future had oh, in store. Terrifying. So, there was that element to it. So I was going, look, I just think there's an opportunity here to make something that's actually a bit unsettling as well as funny. Mm. Like, we can we can walk that line. Mm. I want to go pretty bent with it. And he just, his line to me was, bend it. <laughs> bend it out bend it bend it as far as you want man like that, that was his the one thing that i felt like we genuinely connected on was that he was feeling i think he was feeling like down there he might have actually lost his grip on reality pretty yeah pretty heavily and you're you're, you're pretty far out there on the wavelength yourself one <laughs> cheers maybe where you are uh, did you want to you know kind of uh did you feel a responsibility to make it really fit into current's Bend it No, mode. not at all. I th- actually, that was the opposite of what I wanted to do. I felt like Curran... Uh, he, he, Curran says bend it. I'm going to bend oh, this fucker. I felt that responsibility, but I didn't feel any responsibility to to, to uh, take care of his legacy and the... No, the, no, that's not what I'm asking. No, no. I, I didn't feel any obligation to keep that 
Church of Curran intact. Nah. I wanted to bash it down. That's right. And just show the fucking bricks and mortar that make up this, or how, how this guy got to just mm. this fucking, you know, godlike state in seven. Smash it down, life. burn it and piss on its ashes. Yeah. But so, yeah, big thanks to those guys. And the other big thanks, Smiv, is just a big thanks to all the fucking Swillians who reached out and said that they enjoyed it. Thanks mm. so much because fucking it's stressful making this shit, man. Mm. When you've got someone like Curran's legacy in your hands, like, and you're making something like that, you can't help but lose a bit of sleep at night going, fuck, are we, are we, are we tearing it down? I didn't feel like I was going to stop doing what I was doing. But on the morning that it got released, I was starting to shit myself, eh? Because I was like, fuck. This is actually a real oddball comedy. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's going to be bizarre. I love it. I love how and abstract, the surfing, mate. The esoteric surfing. and fucking hard oh, to make sense of it is. Yeah, that's, it the, is. that's the beauty of it. It's, it, doesn't f- it's, it, it fits into zero category or mold, and I feel like that mm. really epitomizes surfing, in my opinion. And, surfing and if you look culture at- is just fucking so eccentric. It defies logic, yeah. r- uh, rationale, fucking... Any kind of genre. Nah, it's in our wheelhouse, Smithy. It's right in our wheelhouse, mate. Correct you and me window. especially. But I was going to say, just a final note on that, is like it's not surprising that so many people are connecting with the film through the surfing because the surfing in it is so effortless. There's not one part of that guy's body that's saying, I've got to hit this section. I want to fucking tear this one to pieces. I've got to get eclipsed. Like, there's not a single fiber in his physicality that he's trying he's just completely in the perfect zone perfect balance perfect flow perfect poise mm. and you're just reminded of like fucking doing nothing is the best surfing mm, yeah that's uh, how it feels man. absolutely and now be fouls on quote springs to mine uh, you can just stand there and go along if yeah. you like and not just that i i, I finally i, I got up because i've been stinging to surf a right point for months because i was just like after staring at that footage day after day Whoa, after day yeah. I went, finally, I went out the pass the other morning, got up in the dark. I was like, two foot, perfect, check. Sand lining up, check. Little east swell, uh, check. Paddle out, couldn't get a fucking wave to save my life. I was just out there going, <laughs> Death to everyone, surfing sucks, Rah! So, uh, yeah, I couldn't quite tap into the free scrubber mentality. But anyway, cheers, mate. Number one. Morgs, how's the uh, decompression been from that swell? It's been good. I'm very positive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, no, it's kind of pumped me up a bit on life and it's all good, yeah. But hopefully, you know, do a little bit less work and a bit more surface here. We'll see how we go. Yeah, like how, how much of a an effect does it have on your your you know, day-to-day life because, you know, you're a, a working-class guy now, you're not a professional surfer, and then something like that happens where you basically pack, uh, you know, what a heap of people are calling the best wave ever surfed, you know, on this continent. So, um, yeah. yeah, how does it change your life? Well, it doesn't really change it. I mean, it just it just changed my mental sort of state a little bit. I was just, yeah, it's definitely a positive, positive effect. And, like, um, for me, it's just, like, you know, you can sort of, you can get stuck in that rut, you know what I mean? That working sort of rut and um, you miss swell, I miss a swell, then you miss another one and then all of a sudden there's a year, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're like, haven't surfed any big waves for a while and, but no, I just think you just got to make the most of it. That's the, that's the main thing that's kind of sticking in my head. Just, uh, just keep surfing and keep young and yeah, that's basically it. 
Mental. Yeah, well, talk us through the lead up to the session, you know, from the moment you saw the forecast uh, to the moment you arrived at the lineup. Yeah, well, basically, I just, these days, I just sort of, I don't really get caught up in all the, the hype up and stuff because you know what it's like. It's just, everyone gets sort of hyped up and gets let down. So I just kind of, I always just wait and just see what the swell's doing the night before and then I'll make the call kind of thing. If I'm going to, if it looks good, I'll, I'll go, kind of. I'll go, but if it's looking junky or something, I'll just kind of, you know what I mean? I've got no pressure on me to go down. Like, to, I can sort of just do whatever I want, you know? It's good. Mm. <laughs> if I feel like going down and chasing it, I'll, I'll go. And then if it's sort of, I just want to surf some bum waves or whatever, I'll just surf some bum waves. Yeah, right. Um, and and what did this one look like on the charts? Well, they caught up, underscored it a bit, hey, on the chart, I thought. Um and the start of the swell was pretty slow, but there was kind of that big period. And then um, guys were going down the next day, and I, there was howling wind the whole day, and I sort of I knew it would be junky and stuff down there, so I didn't go. I just surfed in, in town. Had a fun day just sort of surfing. And um, and then that other, it was still just getting bigger and bigger, and I, was, and I just knew like it was going to be good the next day because there was no wind that night. And there was like a north, light northerly going to puff up. I definitely knew that other was going to be good because it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and just long lines and you know that that's going to be on. Yeah. And paint the scene for us uh, when you rocked up at the lineup. Okay. Um, I went out with Elliot Marshall. He sort of, um, he's got a ski, so I just jumped on with him and uh, we drove out and uh, he sort of dropped me off and he's like, you go, you get out there and I'll anchor the ski and stuff, and um, paddled out, and I was already crew all over it, basically, and it was just muting in, it was just so thick and heavy, and just, um, the tide was up a little bit, so it was just like, these sets were coming through, and you're like, barely, no one, no one really caught a wave at the start for a fair while, hey, it was like, wow. so heavy, and just like, this vertical drops, basically. And then, like, it's <laughs> pretty gnarly, like, yeah, getting out and just thinking you're going to go sets and you're just paddling down and he just sheer drops, basically. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I ended up taking, like, a hideous wipe out at the start. Yeah, um, talk us through that one. Uh, I mean, that was a hideous beating, man. Uh, one of the worst I've seen. Yeah, just, like, it was a real big set in the morning. I already paddled for sort of, like, three or four and, like, kind of pulled back. And I was just kind of, because they were just, like, psychotic, basically. You just couldn't get down them. And um, and I was kind of dirty on myself a bit. And I was like, come on. Come on, you pussy. Just <laughs> take on and just <laughs> down myself a bit, you know. And then um, I ended up just, like, this big one came and I paddled into it and, um, I got to the point where I couldn't pull off and it just had me, basically, and I wasn't going to make the drop. And I just became part of the lift, basically, from the top, right at the peak. And just, I just, like, melted into the lift and just went over so hard. And that was the first wave I got that morning. Wow. And what what does that feel like? I mean, were you just concussed or, like, a big headache? I mean, how did you feel afterwards? I, I got away with it, Scott, three. Hey, I just hit my heel on the reef. Come up, and I was just like, oh, my God, how did I not heal? <laughs> Hurt myself then. That's good. 
And uh, I had to snap my board. There was a few things going through my head, my body. Um, and I came up, and I, that was kind of good. It kind of switched me into gear a bit. I was like, fuck, well, that's as bad as I can fucking get. But <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's get out the back and just wait for one. And I just sort of patient, patiently waited. And then I sort of I got a medium size, like a nice set, and just got a nice barrel. Then got a, an even bigger one after that. It was a nice barrel. And then I was very, I was fully content after that point. Like I was sort of thinking, I'm done. I've had a wipeout. I've had two makes. I'm happy. And then I went back out. And then somehow, just yeah, that's when that real big one came in. And yeah, I was just in a spot and um, sort of committed to it. Like I, there's a little chip in, and I sort of just just was paddling into it. I'm like, I might get, I might get down this. And then, and I'm fucking going down the thing. I'm like, oh my god. The thing just dropped out on me, kind of thing. Like that's what it does. Wow. It kind of lets you in, and then it then it ledges again, basically. So like wow. when you're paddling down, it just it'll ledge. I don't know. It just holds up a bit more, and then just yeah. And it's too late, then you just that's when I sort of just free fell from the sky. Wow. Yeah. How does it how does it stack up against say uh, pipeline or Toomey's or some of these other iconic lefts around the world? Yeah. Well. Look, I think it's the hardest. It's it's borderline not paddleable. That's why it's so hard. That's what I think anyway. Like, I don't know what percentage, but 80% of the waves, like maybe a bit less, 70% of the waves, you can't get into them. There's only that little percentage that just let you in. You've got to be right in the right spot. You could be one metre that way, and, like, you're not going to catch it. It's just such a cat and mouse sort of game. And, and um, I think it's... Oh, it's definitely, it's one of the heaviest waves I've set for sure, just because it's, um, just because it's so hard to paddle into, basically. Morgs, it's uh, Vaughn Dead here, mate. How you going? Vaughn, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Hanging in there, hanging in there. Just, uh, yeah, just basically choking on my own heart after watching that clip of you guys down there. Um, what I wanted to know was, mate, like, it's a wave that doesn't let you ride a shorter board. Like, you, you know how, like, you see crew swinging late under the lip and, and sort of using that sort of less length to uh, move around more in the barrel. But with this wave, you've got to ride a big board, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, well, I find I don't like riding shorter boards because pretty much Russell and Nathan Bartlett, they pretty much sit on the end. They're the only crazy man that can fucking do it, basically. Mm. Um, and they sit right on this little inside bit and um, they just take the heavy, sledgy ones. But I kind of like sitting out the back a bit more on a bit longer board, and just you know, you just get in that little bit earlier. Yeah. Just, the magic, the, the size, the magic size is still unknown. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you because uh, there's guys out there on monster boards. Oh, I've saw saw photos even from that last swell. Um, you know, there's a, cu- a couple of crew who are riding really massive, massive boards out there, eh? Yeah, there's guys on like nine sixes. And you almost got cleaned up by one on, on a not this swell, but the one before, right? I did. Yeah, is that true? I, th- I thought there was a drop in out on, on one of these uh, reefs that that was uh, getting oh, talked yeah, about. Yeah, there was. Hey. Yeah, that uh, was a, an unfortunate incident. Ago. I know, I know. But like, you know, Smithy and I were just talking about it, man. The amount of crew who are just willing to sort of put themselves out there and have a crack at it—is that sort of something that's starting to get under your skin, having surfed these waves for so long? Um, it was pretty impressive, hey. I'm pretty impressed with everyone, actually. Like, it was fucking 
guys that are throwing stuff over the ledge and stuff, it was, it was amazing. Jeez, that's fucking like, good to, to go from, like, years ago thinking, like, fuck, this is, like, we can paddle this wave and this is a paddle wave and, and then to now see everyone fucking throwing stuff over the ledge, it's, it's sick. Yeah. So, I, 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 don't wanna, uh, I don't want to go on about it, cause, uh, but I just, I've just i been curious ever since it happened. What's your reaction on a wave that can literally kill you when you have to cop, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, um, accidental or not, what's your reaction when you come up after having to steer your way around a a 10-foot board or (laughs) someone flying down your face and cutting off your line where you have had to put yourself in a position that you normally wouldn't dare put yourself in? Like, do you come up and it's just high fives and uh, we'll sort it out and have a beer or are you coming up and just (laughs) fucking kidding, mate? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much it's on, basically. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, fuck, you know, like that time, he put me in a bad situation. And, like, I've got kids and shit, and I was fucking real angry, hey? Mm. I was like, uh, like, how dare you come out to this spot and put me in that position? Yeah. Like, fucking have a look around. Like, I'm paddling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty oh, cool. Like, no one, <laughs> if someone else is paddling and, like, everyone's going, go, you don't even paddle for it, right? That's just like... Mm. Especially, like, imagine in Hawaii or something, if you're paddling down a way that someone, a local's going or something, you're going to get killed. Yeah, 100%. But it's a good point you make, having dependence, having a job, uh, you know, like, there's there's a small small margin of error, a lot at stake. Um, Totally, like, it's gnarly enough, and, like, you know, that day I had a day off work, I fucking, you know what I mean, like, and then one little thing that someone else wanted to do could just ruin my fucking, Mm. you know what I mean? Did yeah. you did you uh, yeah, just 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 to, just to sign off on that? How did how did that one uh, wind up? Like, uh, like was yeah, it all, all sorted yeah, in the end? Yeah, yeah, it's all sorted. Yeah, it's all good. Magic. I'm interested <laughs> to know too, Morgs. Um, you know, given what transpired earlier in the session, uh, the hiding you copped. I understand Russ uh, got fully whipped afterwards and uh, basically went home in the back of an ambulance. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, like, what, how much of a battle was it to hold your nerve and, uh, you know, get into a quality wave after copping and hiding, after seeing Russ get hurt? What were you, What was the mental chatter like? Oh, it was, that was the thing I was so happy, like, that, that was what I was so content about, actually. It wasn't the wave, it wasn't, like, anything else to do with the surf, it was just beating my own sort of head. Like, I had, like, if you're not doing something, you, you can't expect to just be back to where you were when you were 28, 29, 30 or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, <laughs> and, like, you know, it's in there, but you just got to get it out somehow. And, like, um, <laughs> um, my head was just doubting. I was just doubting myself, just going, like, what are you doing down here? Like, do you really want to do this shit anymore? Like, head was just going nuts. And then I was just like, and then I took the wipe and I was still kind of like, fuck, what are you doing? Like, you hurt yourself then, like, just sort of that sort of chatter. Bit yeah. Of, bit of negativity. Mm. And then, um, but then I just sort of, you know, I just just try to be patient. Like, that, you, you can't rush it. Like, I sort of know that from doing it for a while, you know. Like, you can't you can't rush big wave surfing at all. Like, it's just something you just, yeah, you just got to let it happen and try to be smart. 
Wow, incredible, <laughs> incredible insight, man. And and what was the view as uh, you know as you, <laughs> as you stared down your wave of destiny? Um, you know, just talk us through, I guess, that process of, of swinging and, and also what it looked like because you know it had a look to it that day, the bomby that uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it look like that. No, it was pretty. I haven't seen it look like that either for a long time. Like it was, and it was just like an hour and a half window where it, everything sort of came together because it is a fickle kind of wave. It, it needs a lot of elements to line up, and it uh, the tide dropped right out. The wind died, so that took out a couple of elements. That, and um, I mean, just yeah, paddling down that thing, it was just it was funny because one of the grommets, two of the groms are starting to surf it now, so that kind of pumped me up too. I wanted to go down with them and. See, um, just you know what I mean. Just get amongst it with them for the next whatever. But um, I was paddling down. I was paddling down the thing, and one of the groms, Aiden, Aiden Parsons, was paddling up it. So I was pretty sick. We had this little moment. I didn't really look at him, but he was probably looking at me. And he went past me going up, but then trying to get over it, scramble up, and I went down it. He was just freaking on it. It was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> man. I love that. Actually, that gave me the tingles. Um, you know, did you feel any pressure? or responsibility as the local guy, you know, to be on the biggest and, and best wave that came through, especially with, you know, your Groms kind of watching on? Yeah, that's, I guess that was the start. Like, get out there and sort of everyone, you know what I mean? You've been a local guy and people expect, expect you to take up on sets, I suppose. <laughs> but when they're, um, you can barely get down, it's a bit tricky. So, But you just, you just like I said, you just got to be patient and not not get caught up in that stuff. Like I don't, I got nothing to prove to anyone. It's all good. Yeah, no, it's interesting though. It's like it's almost like the whole universe is uh, on your side. You've got your community there screaming at you. You're the guy who pioneered the wave, pretty much put it on the map to a degree. And of course, it just makes sense that you're gonna get the one. Like the one's gonna come to you, and it's up to you whether you want to go it or not. And uh, all yeah. those years of experience. And it all, uh, you know, feeding into it. And it seems like, you know, waves like this, it actually kind of favours maturity and age. If you, you're looking at your Pete Mills, Grant, Twiggy Bakers, those guys are like in their late 40s and 50s. So, um, yeah, it kind of, yeah, it just all fitted somehow for me watching that clip. I, f- I felt fucking so happy for you, man. Ah, oh, sick. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Likewise, but, uh, mate. Likewise. Yeah, I was just yeah, chewing my tongue off too. watching it. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, boys. But, yeah, what those guys are doing is Well said, mate. Before I let you go, man, just quickly, um, I just wanted to pick your brain about uh, the. Just talk us through quickly the history of the wave and, and how much time you've put in out there over the years. Okay, well, um, Rowley, guys, Phil McDonald and stuff started surfing first, from what I believe. Um, all these Rowley guys, I was sort of they knew about it. Years and years ago, I didn't even know about it. Basically, no one in Ulladulla really knew about it, and they, they used to tow it. I think um, Shane Weiner and his brother, and Phil and Ant and all those guys, and then um, Sean Dixon, a local guy from here, started towing it. And then he told me there's like a big. I was 21, I think, and it was 2006, and he said to me, "There's a big left down down Darris. You should come down and surf it." We'll bleep that, and, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should come down and serve it. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's, 
Rafi, mate. He showed me some video footage, actually. I went over his house and we put in, I don't know, if it was a tape recorder there back then or whatever, maybe a CD. And we watched, watched this bloody clip of these waves and I was just like, oh my God, that is my dream wave. And um, uh, that, like a little bit later, maybe a couple of months, I think I ended up buying a ski, a piece of shit of a ski, just so I could get down there and get into it. And... Um, it was funny, as soon as I sort of got all that sorted, then we had this crazy run, this swell after swell. And that kind of, that was 2006, I don't know if you remember, there was, there, was a, there was a month or five, six weeks of just, we got like three or four sort of major sort of south swells, and one of those was that real big day, um, for the biggest day we've ever had out there. And that was kind of the start, so it was sort of crazy how it all worked out. Right, fourteen years, and so and and gradually you've uh, you've the toe the toe movements kind of dried up to a degree out there, or at least uh, when the conditions are good, people are you know keen to swing the nine zero and and yeah, well, I think it might be dried up. I'm hoping, hoping so. <laughs> um, like definitely dried up for me a long time ago. I just yeah, just it wasn't going anywhere with it. I just felt like my surfing was just just stagnant. wasn't pushing myself. That's why I started to it's classic, coming. isn't it? Like, if you think about it, you're just putting yourself in for the, the easiest sort of the easiest line for vis, and you'd think that that would be enough, just the vis. But you need the whole experience. Yeah. You need the the swing, the drop, the fucking coming yeah. off the bottom, and the standing there going, "I earn this vis." Exactly. Hey, and the hardest bit's the timing, like the timing, getting yourself in that spot and swinging. That's the whole. That's the hardest bit about big waves surfing, mm. I think. Anyway, there yeah. was a. Did you see? Sorry, did you see? Did you see that clip of um, Mark Healy? He posted it the other day on his Instagram. And it's like probably the biggest wave I've ever swung, or you know, like paddled for on on the North Shore. And yep. he turns around, he paddles, and he and he sort of pearls it at the bottom. He doesn't get the rail in enough, and he, he ends up body surfing into it. But I was watching his face when he turns to swing. There's no moment. There's no decision. You can't see, you can't physically see the machinations of what's happening. Well, like where he goes, okay, this is my one. I'm going to do it. He just swings it like any other day. It's fucking bizarre, mate. You'd think there'd be something on his face just going right. right you know, it's almost like Tommy Radonikus just doing the face slap just to, to psych himself into it. He's a madman, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I reckon he'd just be feeling. I reckon it'd be just instinct, hey. Like you're not even thinking at, at that nah. point. Like you just, yeah, it gets to a point where it's just all feeling. You're not even. Oh, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Not having to think, just knowing you're in the spot. Yeah, and that's, you that's your moment. It, fuck, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's fed into, you know, how have you honed that instinct over the years? Like what have you learned about the wave uh, since you first started surfing it, I guess? There's be so many nuances and finer points and lineups and whatnot, I imagine. Uh, yeah, like I just. Um, what have I learned about it? It's a fickle little beast and you need, like I said before, you need everything to come together and um, it's, it's hard to get. But uh, you just, yeah, persistence. It, it, you just never know. Like it can be shitty and you can go out and get a, a sick one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's all like, you know, it could be like a little bit onshore or whatever, but it just, it's such a mutant. It's just, yeah, you just got to be in that spot and, um, yeah, you never know what can happen. Fucking yeah. iconic. Yeah, mate. Best, best of luck trying to find it, cunts. And if you do find it, yeah, even it. more luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yeah, Morgs. All right, Morgs, man. Thanks, Thanks so much, hey. Legendary, and uh, congratulations on one of the all-time Core Lord performances. Thank you, boys. Love yeah, the, Morgs. Love the podcast. See you, brother. Mad. Paul Morgan Vaughan. What a lord. Paul Always love Paul Morgan. When I was running Surfing Worlds, Miv, back in the day, you just, you just, you always got pumped when uh, a photographer had sent you a file and you were waiting for the download box if you knew Morgs was out there. Because you knew it was going to be fucking, you know, hectic carnage of fucking consequential. Fuck! I'll get it right one of these days. It's unknown. Over and under. A world tour event potentially scheduled for our very own Lennox Headborn. Are you kidding me? Kidding me? Kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me, Smithy? Kidding me? Mate, how is this going to work? I don't know. You saw what happened when the COVID swells hit? It was shit smeared from fucking the boat ramp to the tip of the point, mate. Mm. Mate, I don't know. Is there enough assholes in Lennox to smear that much shit on that much pro surfing? Mm. It's a good question. Uh, I mean, they'll want to start carbo loading now <laughs> if they want to get the job done. That's uh, so it's coming up quick for. Oh my god! We're talking about uh, a potential start mm. for the Easter period. I've heard a few rumours around this, Smithy. None from. Uh, None from within the woozle, but I've heard uh, local... Well, we're based, right? You and I right now with Louie are sitting in Ballina. So we're a stone's throw from Lennox Yeah, Head. we are one gastro squirt from the exactly, jump off. Exactly, mate. And we're, like, our, our local zone is right in the pocket. We're mm. right there, right in Lennox. Uh, a lot of all the Lennox surfers, good mates of mine, that's sort of part of the community that I, I roll with when I'm uh, going surfing up here. Um, Vaughn Owen carcass it? arm in arm oh, strolling up and down Lee the beach carcass there. Carcass on one hand, I've got Curto on the other hand, I've got Taipan <laughs> on me. I love surfing Lennox. I love the wave. I've been surfing there since I was a Grom, member of Lee Bar Board Riders Club for a while. And uh, it's just a, a real solid, sick surf community. And years and years ago, Smithy, there was um, there was chatter that Rip Curl were going to run a search event at Lennox. Uh, the Search CT, uh, you'd remember there was one on Reunion Island. I think Fanning won that one. There was one at Padang Padang. Mm. Brucey Irons won it. Rika Chili. Rika. AI on an absolute tear, just tearing the bag, so to speak. <laughs> yep. And um, so, oh, and of course, Barra de la Cruz in oh, uh, Mexico, another AI classic uh, with Taylor Knox in the final. So Lennox was on that, uh, on that blueprint and there was a revolt, a huge anti-communal push to keep the CT from happening at Lennox. Burning uh, effigies of Neil Ridgway in the car park. Oh, there was some fucking spirited debate, let's say that. Some robust argument going on, but... Mass debate, in fact, Vaughan. Yes, exactly. Is that uh, widespread? Oh, mate, yep. The uh, Jews was flying, Mm. but uh, in the end, it got shut down. Now, the rumours I'm hearing is that uh, from the community, uh, not from the Woozle, is that they want to push the go button on this before Bells. So we're talking what? a CT at Lennox in the next month. Kidding which me? is fucking, that's a quick turnaround. Uh, Kieran Perro, we'll, we'll put the feelers out because we're going to uh, go deep into this. Just it's got to be frightening for, for KP. Episode. I mean, he's a, a Northern Rivers resident. 
Suffolk born in bread. Mate, does anything frighten KP though? You've seen him fly mm. off the step at Chippies. You've seen him throw himself know. over the ledge onto fucking 15 footers at off the wall. Having a, uh, a runny turd deposited in his letterbox Ooh, though. Yeah, could rattle his cage. A flaming man. turd even. Mm. Uh, but so yeah, that's that's the word I'm hearing. That uh, it's it's almost, the, the, the Wuzzle is in talks with the Lennox community. And I, I'd say there's a few different things to, to tick off there. There's the council, who would obviously be, I would imagine, pushing for it. Oh, they'll be looking for a, a skim oh, off yeah, the top. Exactly. A bit of backsheesh, backsheesh. You pay, you pay, Mr. Mr. You pay, you pay. And then there's uh, the Surf Reserve. It's the Surfing Reserve, Lennox. So there's uh, there's a basically a tribe, uh, I think, maybe Phil Myers, uh, the free flight shaper, he'd be a, a part of that. And um, there's a bunch of crew as well. But... I'm also hearing rumbling, Smivy. Like, like, I would imagine the Surfing Reserve crew have re- massive reservations uh, about... <laughs> well pumped. Oh, thank you. And uh, about, you know, a CT and what that brings with it mm. to Lennox. But then I'm hearing rumblings through uh, the, let's just say, the, uh, the next tier down of Lennox Local where you've got uh, a lot of surf coaches... Uh, Lennox has a lot of really good professional surfers and mm. upcoming professional surfers at the moment, led probably by Mike, Mikey McDonough and Jai Glinderman mm. and Nixie Ryan. Mm. So there's opportunity there. And uh, I think that there's a, a bit of a push throughout the, uh, the younger parts of Lennox to get this thing happening. Yeah, so they'll be getting wild cards into that event. Mate, you'd imagine it's it's huge. And, and like, the other thing is, I, I guess, the big, the big sort of stopping point last time is like, do we want this sort of attention brought to our region, to oh, no, our waves, to our coastline. That's right. But if you look around this region right now, um, and I, I'm not one way or the other at the moment on the fence because I just I'm only just hearing about it myself. Haven't it is really... a Pandora's box, Vaughn. It's a Pandora's box. Once you box. open it, you open the door for all kinds of uh, greedy coastal development townhouses mm. as far as the eye can see and. Uh, it appears that's already happened. So well, I guess that's what I was uh, say, mate. There's housing developments. Full steam ahead. There's one called Epic. There's one called Aurelius. There's one called Bloody. <laughs> Once Aurelius is posting up in your surf town, oh, no. <laughs> it's pretty well game over, Vaughn. Aurelius on one headland, Thor on the next. Oh, mate. Yep. You've got uh, Matt Damon playing in the park down there, opposite mm. the uh, the coffee shop. I don't know. It's all. It's all sort of. It's, it feels like old Lennox is slipping Matt through our Damon. fingers. But does that matter? Does that mean we just open the doors and we 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 stop caring and we and we don't watch or consider just how this could affect the community? No, it doesn't. So uh, there's money to be made for. Let's let's just keep our hats on. And, what are you, uh, some we'll, kind of communist? No, we'll just do a little bit of digging, Smivy. Let's get we'll, our hand in the pile. We'll come Bakshish, back. Bakshish. Oh, hang on a minute. We've done it. Maybe we could get the swelling. How oh, I reckon. A couple okay. of swelling hats. Yeah, Maybe a reckon? couple of key rings out of me. Out of me battle man. Hey, a bit of money to be made, Rolls Mibby. Maybe Rolls Mibby out of the money. Yeah. Like, Help him out. Help him out. Well, we could take a leaf out of Biles' book. Just sit out there with deck chairs and anyone who walks past to watch the comp, we're like, buy a fucking key ring or I'll kill you. <laughs> marketing 101, guerrilla marketing. Yeah, it was magic. Straight magic. out of the handbook. So I don't know, mate. I don't know. I'm going to uh, put the feelers out into the community and we'll come back. Watch this space. I think tomorrow, Smith, tomorrow there's going to be some sort of, I think, the, the big step, like, uh, in terms of uh, how the community feels about it is going to be addressed. I think the WSL are looking for an answer, yes mm. or no, from the council in the next few days. So we'll come back. Yes. Watch this space. Rumour has it it's going to look like some kind of, uh, you know, big tribal medieval town hall mm. a la Game of Thrones, chaired by none other than Thor, <laughs> wheeling an Excalibur. 
and Fanny wielding a blade next to him. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a meeting of minds, mm. a clash of the titans. Well, I think the, uh, there, there has been one idea put forward by the carcass. So it's a whole event is run on surf mats. Every single, every single heat, mm. every surfer out there on the mat, half deflated for extra speed. You mm. know the drill. Run on surf mats. No chicks allowed. Uh, under or over, Smith? Just at the moment, <sighs> knowing what you know, it's it's all uh, fresh news to us. But uh, what are you thinking? Oh, jeez, it's such a uh, uh, it's a hard one, a real difficult one, a real curveball. <laughs> I don't want to put anyone's noses out of joint, particularly my own, because it's been out of joint a couple <laughs> of times, and I had to spend good money to be able to breathe out of it again. So uh, I'm gonna have to go with a marginal under. Mm. Uh, I just. You know, oh, the Northern Rivers, it's booming. It's a booming. It's uh, the property prices are going through the roof. There's an affordable housing shortage. All the battlers are getting the heave ho. There's uh, Audis and Porsche Carreras and coke sniffing property swine crawling out of pipes and sewers all over the joint. Aurelius, the fucking lot of them. I've had a gut full. I'm going to have to go with an under. I'm going to uh, sit on the fence like I usually do. And uh, oh, don't get that fence. Hailing up your ring, Vaughn. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. I'm just going to uh, wait and see. I'm going to uh, get a get a feel for what's going on in town, and then I'll, I'll report back to you. Mm. He's going to uh, put his nose to the wind, nose to the toilet cubicle, mm. and come back with a finding. Keep that nose in joint, Vaughn, whatever you, whatever you do. Might have to get Steve Shearer on the next show just to get his take mm. on things too. Mm. Well, apparently, uh, last I heard, Steve was getting the old heave-ho from his crib too. Oh, shit. him. No respect these people, Vaughn. Nah. G'day, Swillians. Deadly here. Breaking news out of Lennox Head. The Woozle told to take their comp and run it somewhere else. Yep, me and your boy Smivy went down to the Ballina Council Chambers this afternoon for the crisis meeting where uh, councillors were to vote whether to allow the Woozle to come on down and uh, run a CT event, a false CT event in Australia or give it the old heave-ho flick-it off the headland and into history. So uh, the vote was unanimous and it was check you later, WSL. And uh, the main reason being uh, a lack of community consultation. Uh, Everyone felt like this thing had been sprung on them. Uh, There were many councillors in the room, I think around about seven or eight, nine, something like that, and a few chipping in from uh, online, Zoom calls and whatnot. Uh, very few, I think maybe only two, supported the idea, maybe three supported the idea of an event coming to Lennox Head. And uh, the others basically expressed the fact that their phones had been melting with uh, serious uh, opposition from the, within the community. And for a range of issues too, uh, there was everything from... Uh, you know, the event being held in the Easter weekend, traditionally Bell Spot. I mean, that's a whole other story that we're going to have to talk about later. But uh, one of the big surprises coming out of that meeting, Bell's perhaps cancelled. I mean, uh, we'll probably hear more about this in the next couple of days. But, yeah, so lack of community consultation. Uh, the surfing reserve, not on board at all in the discussions and, in fact, very worried about foot traffic on the headland, uh, fences being put up, 3,000 extra people coming, and then, you know, regular local surfers and visitors to the region not being able to use the wave during a prime holiday weekend. Um, 
there was issues as far ranging as um, native species, endangered species that live on the headland being put under duress uh, right through to the, the traffic, the infrastructure pressures on the town itself. Um, and of course, COVID, a huge one. You know, if, if Bells has been cancelled by the Victorian government or by whoever has made the call due to COVID worries, then the idea of bringing that risk to Lennox Head was not something that the locals were frothing on. Uh, the mood at the chambers was insanely negative in regards to <clears throat> the idea of the event being held. So uh, a lot of uh, opposition turned up to voice their concerns and they were vocal. Uh, every single time somebody made mention, one of the councillors, that the event was a bad idea for this reason or that, uh, an audible cheer, almost like a football crowd could be heard outside and, uh, yeah, there was not a whole lot of support either outside or inside the chambers for the event. So there you have it. Pro Surfing's attempts to return to Lennox Head squashed. A huge victory for those who had turned up to the chambers, for those who have uh, invested and given their time to the coastal region there uh, within the surfing reserve and the local community. Very happy with that result. Not everyone in the community feels the same. I think many people will view this as a missed opportunity. But watching the council work today, it, it seemed like the majority had spoken and were listened to. So uh, an interesting result there. Uh, we're, now we're going to uh, listen to a couple of interviews that Smivy did on the steps outside when the decision was made. One with Lee Barr, president, the bo local board riders club here, Lennox Ballina, Lee Barr board riders. Ben Beasley, and uh, the other with Don Opie, a local bloke who was dead set against any heats being run at Atlantic Head. Enjoy, and uh, we will revisit the state of pro surfing in the next episode. Yeah, uh, Ben Beasley, president of the Lee Bar Board Riders. Yep. Um, look, I had consulted. Uh, uh, they, they came to me Thursday, uh, you know, and I was, you know, pretty excited about it. Consulted all the committee members, I guess. Um, it has been a short time period, and I can understand that um, being the problem with a lot of these guys. Um, anyone that has families uh, within the area, like the, from what I got, like all the kids were super excited to see all the, you know, pro surfers and their idols coming to the area. Um, the benefits that they were going to give to the community and our club was phenomenal yeah. in the way that they're going to support Bar and all the kids and the juniors and the wild cards and pro junior events. It was going to be extraordinary for, for us. So, um, yeah, look, that's why I was all for it. Um, there was a surprise. There was, all, there was a few against it, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I mean, how, yeah, how do you sum up the feeling in the community? I, I just think that usually it's the... The people that uh, speak up against the, the people that are against it are the ones to speak up. The people that are for it aren't. Mm. You know, you never hear from all the people that are for it. Um, within our committee, there wasn't one person that was against it. Um, so that's a, and I could only speak on their behalf. I couldn't speak on all of Levi's behalf, but you know, that's why I ran with it. Yeah. And how do you feel about the result? 
Look, I uh, obviously disappointed. I would have liked to have seen it uh, go ahead. I would have liked to have seen, you know, I'm in it for the right reasons and to look after the kids and the community and, you know, and do the best I can for them. And how, how do you manage the divide going back to everyday life? Like, you know, it's kind of made against mate uh, you know, today, it seems. Oh, look, it is a little bit. There's a lot of guys that I know in there, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the same thing. There was a divide. There's a lot of my mates that were divided as well. Yeah. But I was just, uh, you know, kept it open and said everyone's entitled to have their opinion on it. This is mine and this is yours. So, yeah. you know, that's the way it's got to be. Yeah, perfect, Ben. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, no worries, mate. Good on Too you. Easy. Don Opie, retired school teacher, uh, residence, Ballina, East Ballina, long-time surfer. Some of the best times of my life have been at Lennox Point. Yeah. Don't yeah. want to give them up. Don't yeah. know how long I've got. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just my next question was your connection to Lennox. I mean, yeah, grew I up in Lennox. Yeah, yeah. Had South Africans and Americans buying land all around the back of there, and I said, "What are you doing?" And they said, "We're buying land." I said, "How come?" They said, "We've been everywhere else. This is the best place left in the planet." Yeah, right. And thoughts on what is transpiring here at the moment? Well, it's sort of been sprung on people that the World Surfing event is going to be occurring at Lennox Point in a surfing reserve. Mm. Um, thousands of people I mean it is a natural area, it's already suffering because nobody here is really going to talk about it today but the sewer is way overloaded and Mm. it's one of the scariest if you've jumped off there you know how slippery the rocks are that are in the water now they are always a safe step okay and right now in the last year the grease has come out of the plant and gone all over the rocks. So that surfing reserve's already got another problem, but now we're about to have this thing brought upon us, and we're supposed to say it's all good. Yeah. And it's got a lot of exposure already. How much more exposure do we want? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, What was the contents of what you were saying to old mate just here a second ago? Who's that boy? He's a counsellor. He's yeah. he's a counsellor making a decision on this and only discovered it was happening on Monday. Yeah. Right. So don't you think if you have a major thing where roads are closed and people aren't allowed, aren't allowed in reserves and things like that, that the counsellors themselves should know more than two days before the decision? Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, we've got John Barrelaro turning up, you know him, John Barrow. He's yes. a state, state level. He's a National Party National. representative, yeah. yeah. He's turning up tomorrow and he's already in the Northern Star today with them saying that he's making a statement of approval of the world surfing event occurring. And we're supposed to be going in there talking about pros and cons of the issue. Yeah. He's already decided it's approved. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> What are your fears about, uh, you know, what could happen? Well, it's just in, it just intensifies the uh, intensifies the surfing experience really because mm. the when people come here and they the contest is on and they can't surf at the point, where are they going to go? They're going to go to all the other breaks and they're it's in Easter, it's peak period anyway. Mm. Where are they going to park? I don't think the business houses want it mm. in Lennox Head. Where are you going to park? Sure. Oh, back in Wardell, where I live, I just walk about the river. <laughs> um, how divided is the community on this? Oh, I think it's divided. The big members of Bar, which has always been the solid local group that's done well surfing and that, they've got good champions in the team, but I think that they've been promised, you know, that something might come to them if they, if they tick it off, and, you know, I don't really... I, I, no doubt 
there'd be members that would like to surf in there, but I mean, the impacts of having this event here, like, is it a one-off? You tell me, is it one-off? I have no clue. Well, why are they leaving Bells? Mm. Oh, I think they're still going Bells, but... Well, what are they doing here then, if they're still going to Bells? I think go this one, then Bells. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's not a one-off, it's every year. Three weeks every year. Oh, that'll be good, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, have you got mates on the other side of the fence, you know? Like, so yeah, I will add, but... And, yeah. Sure, that's going to happen. Yeah, do you know, have you already had some conversations? No, but no. I, no doubt they're going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and how many times have people tried to run comps here in the past? Well, we killed off the Rip Curl search. Yeah. That was My cool. brother even drove the whole way to Melbourne to Torquay to have a word to him. Really? Yep. That's killed that off. And he said, oh, it feels like a search when you drive down from Nuribar. All right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Very good. And, uh... Just on that, I mean, I guess we've kind of let the, what is it, the cat out of the bag, the rat out of the cage, mm. the fucking rabbit out of the enclosure that they're kept in. Mm. Warren. Uh, yes. The WSL is set to bring the World Tour down under for a four-stop hit on the big, big island. Mm. Um, They're scratching to keep the tour alive. Oh, and, aren't they? Uh, Australia could be the answer. That's sort of how it's breeding, isn't it? It's looking like you get an extra event in here and you, you, you've lost two, you get one back. Uh, the rest of the year doesn't look as challenging. If they can somehow get to that point where everyone's feeling like it's legit, uh, that's going to be – I think that's the end goal, right? Well, yeah. But the, 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 like you say, that – it's it's a bigger question than just uh, you know making sure we got a world champ at the end, isn't it? It's it's the COVID thing, mate. It's the quarantine thing. It's can we get them all out here and can we run the tour responsibly? Mm, and it's also the legitimacy of that world title. You know, if it's a severely truncated season, we've only you know it's hard to see them getting more than six events done at this stage. They'll be so lucky to get four done in Australia. Mm. Uh, like, you know, because there's, there's not that freedom of movement between the states at this point. They're constantly shutting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, West Oz is shut at the moment due to uh, an outbreak there. I mean, uh, Ace Buckin, oh, we'll drop in a little little quote, uh, comment from Ace on his thoughts. But he, he made the, a good point about, uh, about, you know, I guess a lot of the traditional world tour stops are now, they're on ice. Mm. It's not going to happen. South Africa, Europe, feared about it. Yeah. Uh, but that opens the door for, you know, this Asia-Pacific region where we're relatively COVID-free. New Zealand, uh, I mean, the Pacific's right there. I feel like we're going to be probably the first quadrant of the globe to open up and, mm. you know, continue as normal. We've been continuing largely unaffected for the last 12 months. The only problem has been just the, the, the state border closures. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, it's, I it's, mean... It's, it's not without its dramas, mate. I mean, you go up to Queensland... Uh, we live close enough to the border where we can understand that, like, for our friends who have, uh, you can live up there, far north New South Wales, right in those border towns or Coolangatta or around there, and you can have kids going to school in New South Wales. And it's just, it's a fucking nightmare, mate, going mm. back and forth. Even just the hour long delay can cause, you know, huge dramas for crew up there, traffic, etc., all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, you've got to just, uh, it's, it's a bigger picture to try and organise this than just getting them to Australia. No, Because then you've right. got to go, you've oh. got to micromanage them the between the states. Mm. So, yeah, it's a huge ask. But 
Uh, if the cricket and the tennis are showing us anything, it's that Australian government wants sport on and it wants it in Australia. Mm-hmm. They're, they're willing to like take pretty big risks to, to get these things happening. Absolutely. And a credit to the WSL. Like, uh, I, for one, would love to see the World Tour in action this year. And they're really persisting. They're doing everything they can to get the show on the road. You know, the – what is it? The hiring of a – a 747 or an A380 mm. or whatever it is, and uh, flying the entire tour on one flight out to Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, they're thinking large. They're thinking laterally. So a credit to I think the so surfing too. administration. Oh, 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 and plus it's like... They're having a crack. It's good for everyone, Smithy. It's good for everyone. I, I, I don't know about you. I'm a sports fan. Like, I fucking Absolutely. love mm. watching surfers surf heats. I reckon it's great. So, I mean, I, I think... Purely just for the sake of fucking uh, my entertainment. Give everyone fucking COVID. Bring him out here. Mm. Where is Leo Fioravanti? Has he been tested? Mm. And, uh, I mean, I think the big, big kind of hurdle they got to get over is that quarantine, that hotel quarantine. Two weeks. That's huge. On the Sheridan's prawn tea and rice program. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, not easy. I can't imagine the entire Toledo clan crammed into a... Two bed, single room, barely air conditioned sweatshop uh, right next to the airport, right in the flight path. There. Well, I just wish that this was happening in the uh, early nineties, late eighties. Imagine what the hotel would look like with uh, the, the top forty four from nineteen ninety two crammed into it. <laughs> oh, it'd be a cluster, all right. It'd be a cluster. Fucking, be a hot spot. There'd be fucking microwaves dinging and plate shattering. <laughs> Uh, well, how do you see it playing out? How do you see, uh, you know, Gabriel Medina spending his time two weeks in a hotel room? Hanging well, off the, the balcony? <laughs> uh, a la Michael Jackson's child. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess... No, I was thinking more like Djokovic, just sort of uh, going out onto his balcony every day and shouting out to the people below and just talking to the media and just having a basically a field day out there. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem. These guys are used to the star treatment, the VIP treatment. Uh, Medina especially, you know, this guy lives large, mm. as large as you can live it. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be here in Australia just shacked up in some schmucky, you know, middle range hotel for two weeks. Mm. Like, you don't get to choose. That's the thing. You arrive in Australia and you're ferried straight to a hotel. You don't even know which one you're going to arrive no. at till you get to reception. Uh, and you're there for two weeks with, you know, you, I, I don't even know if he's going to get the Portuguese Foxtel package. Do they even have one? <laughs> Stuck there watching rugby league on a continuous loop. <laughs> oh, thank God. I mean, maybe it's the education Gabby needs. Mm. Maybe they'll have a little bit more respect for your minors finest. <laughs> Michael Hall, after he sees the uh, brutal... Brutalist kind of pursuits that we partake in down here on the Big Island. Uh, who do you think? Who do you think will struggle the hardest? Just, just let, let, let's just uh, look, throw it out there. The tour's on. Everyone's flying out. No, uh, no question. It's all going ahead. Who's going to be the hardest or struggle the most in that hotel quarantine situation? Well, one little room, mm. not allowed to leave. That's it. You and the TV. I mean, you're, you're angling towards Medina. I mean, the libido, the libido of the man is. Uh, Plutonium grade, you know, it's <laughs> Fukushima level. But he's uh, got a woman. He, he'll probably come out with his woman. For, if he's lucky, for sure. yeah. I hope that they'll mm. squeeze her onto the A380 yeah. somewhere, uh, maybe in the board bag. But uh, I mean, it's just if, if if he can't satiate his carnal desires, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like in that <laughs> hotel room. Vaughn holds all through the mattress, I imagine. 
Uh, uh, just Uber Eats, Apple Pies, 24-7, round the clock. Just mm. an absolute... Hot mess. Oh, what, about, um, what about Italy, though, mate? That guy will be bouncing off the walls. He'll be like Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> in his room. Just going... <laughs> just little bit absolute mayhem. Mm. People will be opening the door. It'll look like the Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes has just been fucking scooting around the, the hotel room. It's true. I don't know how he's going to cope with two weeks stuffed inside a, a small box in Sydney City. No. Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, I mean, just so much energy. Mm. More energy. He's going to need less energy. Uh, and uh, I know a bloke who knows a bloke. If he wants to get his hands on some uh, Israeli skunk, mm. just, uh, just to cool the nerves, slow yeah, things down a bit. That's right. DM the swelling Instagram. Good we'll idea, sort you man. out. Uh, Pro Tour returning to Oz. Hotel quarantine. Massive the top over. 44. Huge over. Over. Uh, and let's just uh, a quick one on hotel quarantine itself for mm. surfers on the Sheraton's rice and pro. Prawn tea program for two whole weeks, as mentioned. Uh, did you see the state of Dave McCauley after he'd done his two oh, weeks? I love him. He'd lost all his hair and he started talking <laughs> to his tennis racket. Lost the plot. Uh, Connor O'Leary looked like he'd just been let out of a World War II internment camp. Mm. Uh, he was delusional, couldn't stop talking about a garlic prawn backdooring a huge tube. I had to slap some sense into him. Snap out of it, Connor! <laughs> You're a world to a server. Oh, Get mate. a hold of yourself. Mm. Uh, and I mean, they needed a forklift to get the Gosford grug out of his motel. <laughs> Rumour has it he was downing a carton of mint slices a day, Vaughn. A carton! Oh. Oh, I mean, the things you turn to in your times of need. Mm. Yeah, it's not the first Australian surfer to come undone at yeah. the sweet... No. Nah. No, yeah. he's not the first to come undone. Yeah, I, I, I saw the, the, the Gosford slice. Grug went in looking like Grizzly Adams came out looking like Grizzly Adams Bear. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a it was a, it's a big ask. Two weeks in a, in a small space, mate. Give it a crack. I mean, it is tough going. And Bronnie McCauley, I mean, still trying to fish her out of a QAnon wormhole. <laughs> She's just spiraling in a vortex there. Oh, jeez. Anyway, worth it, Smithy. It's all worth it. Yeah, it's not my pain. No. Nah. Uh, we'll, we'll, hotel quarantine. You know what? We'll just sit here, for wait for him to get out, wait for him to get out, and then tear him to shreds when they surf like shit in their heat. <laughs> That's our role. Uh, hotel quarantine. I think it's just uh, it's a necessary level. I'm going to give it an over. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it an under. I mean, come on, put on a spread for the boys and the girls. They're well to a. Oh, you mean like oh, the actual hotel? Yeah. Oh, the hotel itself is a huge oh, under. Oh, I mean, something, a table tennis set, uh, some kind of, I don't know, something. Put them, up some, put them up somewhere half decent. Oh. Take them out to Alfie's farm, mate. That'll sort them out. That's That'll right. sort out the fucking pretenders. Yeah, set up some teepees on a bit of land mm. uh, on a miscellaneous patch of beach and let them go at it. I like it. it. Exactly. Give them something. Uh, I, I, yeah. Get it on, though. Let's do it. Now, Vaughn, uh, surfers, it turns out, professional surfers are losing the plot. Mm. Turns out a very high proportion of pro surfers end up with mental health issues after their career wraps up. And there's nothing to laugh about here, Vaughn. Mm. Uh, as we all know, your boy Smitty has had to boot that fucking mutt of a black dog up the coit more than a few mm. times. Fuck off, your mm. mutt. Hope you get the lot, your dog. Hope you get the lot, your dog. Uh, get back on protection, your mutt. Um, so you can read the full article over at Stab Premium, but here's a pretty telling interview with one of the people quoted in that story, Surfing Australia lead psychologist, Jason Patchell, Vaughan, just quickly, surfers losing the pot up, plot after their career wraps up. Mm. 
I think it's been uh, a, a, an ongoing issue since the very first days of uh, – since before, beforehand. I think uh, Mickey the Dora, Ricky first, Rasmussen, they've all kind of met pretty grisly demises. Yeah, mate. I mean, look, when the tour kicked in, right, when professional surfing kicked off at uh, at uh, Burley Heads, the stubbies, that's that's basically what is regarded as, as the, the launch pad, the firing of the gun, if you will, where professional surfing entered the man-on-man era – World title points, all that sort of shit, right? The guy who won the final was in the midst of a full-blown emotional, nervous, and fucking headspace breakdown. Mm. Um, Michael Peterson was was basically on his last legs. Heroin addiction. Didn't go too much further beyond 77. And everyone everyone will tell you that he was the best surfer in the world in 75, 76, um, or for the three years even prior to that. Uh, so it was his last hurrah, and uh, it was a it was a blueprint that surfers have really struggled to move away from. You know, like the the good times, uh, the the attention, the fame uh, that that comes with it. They're all on the on the cusp, the first wave of experiencing that on a level that no one before them had had had. And uh, I think you know one of the telling things in your story, which is is probably the hardest thing to get your head around, Smithy. Um, that one that you did for Stab Premium is that. Every town you go to is that town's week to be the centre of the surf world. So mm. they are laying it on. So mm. these guys can turn up. They're a hero this week. They're a hero next week. And everywhere everywhere they go, they're a hero. And that town is just giving them anything they want. And uh, so to come off that, whether you've had a shitty year competitively or you've decided to wrap it and you just go into this sort of uh, purgatory of, of not knowing – where you are, what you're going to do, why what you're doing matters or mm. does it matter or, you know, like all those uh, heavy, heavy questions come into it. Mm. Uh, combine that with years and years of substance abuse or, you know, hectic, hectic partying and all the uh, adrenaline fucking fueled craziness that comes with surfing heats at the highest level to partying for three days without sleep. Yeah. Fucking oath it's a volcano that's going to explode. Mm. Well said. Yeah, I mean, it... I tend to look at these things now from a scientific, data-driven, kind of physiological mm. point of view. I, I take into account things like neural plasticity, you know, the way your brain is moulded over years and years of repeated patterns and mm. behaviours. Uh, and, and one of the things I discussed with, uh, with Jason is spending too much time in an adrenalised state um, and not being able to just... Uh, seg out of that into just the monotony of everyday life. You know, everyday life is just a, a very slow-paced, calm uh, environment, and and you basically need to be able to function in that. If mm. you can't, uh, you're fucked, basically. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of guys who they can't kind of live without that high adrenaline state. They can't mm. live uh, in that peaceful zen kind of. Uh, that way of being that every single religion or holy book, uh, every kind of philosopher says that you need to master yeah. that state in order yeah. to survive life. Uh, and I think surfing really pulls you away from that. And guys like Tom Carroll. Nathan it it, it is ironic, right? Because it's actually the place that we all go. Uh, not, not as elite surfers, but we're all pulled to the ocean in the first place because it makes us feel better. Mm. So to take it to that extreme. But it can and it can't, you yeah. know. Like uh, I think the way surfing was imagined and the way it was practiced 
uh, in its golden age, which is kind of, we're still living off those fumes today. Mm. But there was fucking no one surfing. Um, people were on single fins. They were, you know, gently caressing waves, carving smooth lines, enjoying the experience, taking it all in. Uh, and then it kind of went off this corporate mainstream commercial cliff mm. in which, uh, you know, tearing waves to bits was the focus, uh, a social exactly. hierarchy, yeah. a ranking system was established, your uh, sense of self was tied to contract incentives, um, contest results, cash earnings. Uh, the moment your you, you ranking or your performance dropped, so did your self-worth yeah. with it. And it just became this heavily toxified environment and culture mm. um, and uh, you know, I've, I experienced that firsthand as a journalist uh, in my early twenties, and it was fucking perplexing. I, mm. I couldn't comprehend how warped the the world tour environment was. I actually just I couldn't make sense of it. It was it was really destabilizing to me at that mm. age, and I was only dropped into it, you know, here and there yeah. to live in that false yep. reality. I can fully see how guys run into yep. and girls run into problems yeah. after surfing, and as it turns out, uh, a lot of the people who thrive in that environment are also from pretty heavily traumatized backgrounds, uh, you know, mm. absent parents. So many of Australia, uh, the world's best surfers come from these kind of yeah. broken family units. So you factor that into the equation where people are deriving even more self-worth and self-esteem from mm. their performances. It's like a, a weird ego trip. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons and wrong intentions. And then eventually – I don't know, man. But what that, are you left that, with? That flows down too, Smithy. Like, I mean, as much as we all it think we don't, we don't uh, relate to what is happening in pro surfing. They set that's, the standard. That's they the set standard. The exactly. Yeah. And so, like, you know, when we paddle out at a certain wave and there's an alpha male who's absolutely dominating and paddling up and, here inside, and, when, and, and worship, we get caught up worships, in the same energy. And everyone yeah. worships him. In surf towns like the one we live in, there's, the social hierarchy is built mm. off uh, your ability as a surfer. Like, literally, your value as a human being mm. is inextricably linked to the quality of your cutback. <laughs> and uh, that has what no real... B- fucked up world we live in, man. Yeah. I mean, how, how weird... How's is- your cutty, by the way? Just on- <laughs> oh, it's a bit fucking ratchety, to be honest. <laughs> a bit ratchety, a bit boggy, and as a result, I've got no fucking respect in this town. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's, it, it is, you're right. It, it leaks down, and I think yeah. we might all be chasing a, 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 a bit of a dragon here. And it's, uh, but man, that's why. Why do you reckon, like, like and, and not to uh, bring this around in any other way, that, but, like, why is the appeal of watching current surf so fucking global right now? It's because it's got none of that. Like, he's that good, but he doesn't, like you said earlier when we were talking about it. It doesn't connect to any of that trauma or any of that fucking like needing to rip to no, be. But Curran himself is from a pretty rattling kind of home. Like I think his father oh, yeah, bailed no, on him as that, a teenager. But don't you reckon that's Rica. like the big reminder? It's like a big wake up call. It's like an alarm going off in your head, going "fuck." This is like a, a style of surfing and a, and a, something I can relate to. Sure, but he's an perform- attitude. But he's but what if there's a hundred cunts in that? Point break. Oh, yeah, well, that's, like that's there that's usually the is. Yeah, exactly. Like getting away like with the past. No, that's right. Getting away um, you can go dead straight well, on it. Let's why don't we get into this uh interview because I'm fucking stinging to hear what Jace has to say. Mm. So in terms of mental health, like what are some of the pitfalls of the pro surfing lifestyle? Um yeah, some of the pitfalls and the challenges are you know, obviously there's there's the travel component, um and, and some of the time away from, from your family networks um, and I, I think you know, and I think we all use our family to create some 
some kind of normality in our lifestyles to ground to ground us. I think uh, I think the some of the challenges for pro surfers are, you know, the how um, I guess the difference from from living a life on tour um, and 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 having things there uh, in abundance um, and doing you know, what you want when you want um, and then uh, and living a lifestyle like that um, without some of the some of the normal realities reality checks that kind of ground people um, going from from that lifestyle to to normal normality and reality um, and so I think that that adjustment um, is really hard um, and and so I think yeah, athletes, I think it's pretty normal for athletes to kind of struggle to make that adjustment, particularly on their retirement. Um, you know, when they've lived a life where you know they've kind of made their own rules, um, they've they've done their own thing, and they've been promoted and reinforced to do that because that's you know that's what um, allows them. Well, thinking is that's what allows them to be at their best, um, to not be rule governed. Um, to, to do what they want when they want, and and I think to to come from that lifestyle um, to to kind of living um, in a different different realm, uh, different pace, um, with restrictions, with rules, um, you know, with some of the more mundane stuff that exists in in day to day life, I think is a is really hard, mm. um, and it, and it's a different pace, and it, and it kind of slows you down, and you have to kind of it's a different perspective on things. Mm. Yeah, and and then it's a and then you've got you got your identity shifts as well. So you know, I think we all know that athletes that that have um, you know a, a nice um, identity that is um, I guess uh, has a few different components to it. So there's interests outside of of, of competing, of being a pro surfer. Uh, there's passions, there's interests, there's um, you know, there's hobbies, there's dual careers. We know that that athletes, when when they have those experiences, um, they're able to kind of um, you know, generalise their identity to different things. They're able to um, you know, spread it across. That helps with their transition. Um, it helps with the kind of the shift from going from um, all or nothing. To, to be able to lean and, and, and lean on some of those other things that are you know, providing you some meaning and passion and enjoyment in life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, and in terms of the culture of, you know, there's a pretty virulent party culture, substance um, abuse to a degree. I mean, some people probably are able to straddle that line of recreation a bit better than others, but... um. Uh, have have you done any kind of investigating of uh, you know what sort of a legacy uh, that leaves on a lot of guys who've you know done serious stints on tour, and and also can you talk about that culture um, of of partying and and substance abuse I guess at that level? Look from from what I you know I've only been in in pro surfing for probably the last five years um, and. From what I can can gather, um, there's definitely been uh, a big shift uh, from 
from perhaps some of the the more historical stuff that perhaps went on in in surfing. Um, and so I think you know things are, have really improved um, from a you know, from the use of substances and, and um, that kind of party party culture um, that just let let loose. Um, <coughs> Kind of culture, so I think things have definitely improved, and, and I think that they've had to too. I think the sport is becoming a lot more, um, you know, there's a lot more at stake. Um, smaller and smaller, um, the, the performance demands uh, are getting higher. So I think all that that creates, uh, um, you know, a more demanding high performance kind of um, culture. Um, and, and behaviours, and so I, I haven't really come across too much of that in in some of the experiences that I've seen, um, which is really good. I think that there, you know, no doubt there's, you know, there, there has been a um, in, in historical uh, some historical issues within our sport, um, you know, for particularly some of the older generations, um, and. Yeah, I think I think there's there's some some work to be done, um, particularly around the help seeking. Um, I think um, you know when when people do have underlying mental health issues, um, you know they they can be kind of covered up um, through you know substance use and partying, um, and and so and that really can, can tip the scales. Um, and increase the risks. So I think, I think our sport, particularly the older generations, um, really do need to, to kind of um, understand and appreciate the, uh, the mental health, potential mental health issues that, that may have been um, at play and may be at play um, and, and the importance of seeking help and, and the understanding of what mental health issues and mental health awareness is to upskill themselves um, and and to seek help um, where appropriate because um, those those types of issues um, need support mm. um, and we, I think as a, as a sport for those generations we probably need to do better at actually calling them out and and kind of you know creating better access and avenues for that mental health support Mm. Um, is it true that Surfing Australia has a has some kind of program uh, directed to this end to basically, uh, you know, make sure surfers don't just end up uh, on the scrap heap with no skills and in this kind of terrible void? Yeah, yeah, we do. So we've um, a few years ago we've heavily invested. Um, through the help and support of the AIS, um, Athlete Wellbeing and Engagement um, area, we've we've employed um, full time athlete and wellbeing manager um, Michelle Mitchell, who works full time at Surfing Australia, um, and and her role really is um, alongside my role is to to really firstly going to get the word out um, and get athletes talking, thinking, and coaches. Talking, thinking about um, life after sport, um, and doing that earlier the better. So really, I think there's, there's never it's never too young to start thinking and promoting you know, dual careers, 
dual interests. Um, and, you know, to, so to, to really promote that and to help athletes um, really start to put things in place um, for their careers. So it's create a bit more balance. Um, and then, uh, you know, in addition to that, um, we've got transition support. So for those athletes that um, you know, are really seriously thinking about making the transition to retire, um, there are there's a transition program in place um, where at different points in time support's offered um, to support that transition. And then um, there's also a mental health referral network, which um, all current athletes um, and alumni or, or retired athletes, ex-athletes, um, have access to. And so that's a, uh, a program that's funded um, by the AIS um, and through myself and Michelle, um, we can provide uh, access to um, psychology support uh, that's completely funded um, all over Australia. So, um, but unfortunately, well, you know, the, the reality of that is is that program it requires the individual to kind of put up their hand and say, oh, I'm, I'm interested and willing to seek that help. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge that we have in our sport um, is for people to kind of go, yeah, there's, there's some support um, that I require and, and then this is, you know, this is the access and this is what I need. Um, I think we, we need to do better, all of us, at kind of understanding ourselves and understanding where perhaps our, our gaps um, and areas where we, we do require support um, to be able to then use those services appropriately. Mm. Mm. Wow, what a great program. Um, and Thanks. Yeah, incredible, man. <laughs> really cool. Um, and I was wondering too, have you looked into the relationship between uh, adrenaline, cortisol, and, and depression? I mean, you mentioned before um, that you know, drugs uh, can be a, a kind of a band-aid for mental illness. Um, and I think uh, from what I understand, risk-taking, um, living that kind of adrenalized lifestyle can also be a bit of a band-aid um, for mental illness. Um, but, yeah, what can you tell me about the relationship between those kind of chemicals that are so, um, are so prevalent in surfing, like uh, adrenaline in particular? Yeah. Interesting question. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the chemical relationships around kind of the, you know, the, the neurochemicals, dopamine, serotonin, that we know have a, have a, a relationship you know, to some of the mood disorders, bipolar, depression, um, and adrenaline. Um, but I, I will say that, that certainly, you know, um, you know, those kind of sensation, high sensation-seeking uh, high risk taking, um, high adrenaline fueled uh, experiences can certainly be a way for people, um, you know, to to kind of cope and regulate um, you know, some of their their mental health challenges and issues. Um, and I think where and while that 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 could be really help, you know, functional in a in a, in a setting, uh, in a high-performance surfing setting or even a free surfing um, setting, big wave charging kind of setting. But what we find is when, when those things are, are taken away um, from athletes, whether they've retired or they've got an injury, um, that's when some of the issues show up. Um, 
and those kind of more underlying um, kind of reasons for, and drivers for some of those um, choices and, and behaviours can show up. So I think definitely all surfers are, you know, are driven um, and have a quite a high threshold um, for adrenaline-seeking experiences. They're very high sensation-seeking um, characters. Um and and they, they, they usually have a higher risk profile um, and physically um, than perhaps you know, their peers. Um, and and so I think there is that kind of profile. Um, I wouldn't say that it's always related to, to mental health issues, but I think there's, there's certainly some um, that kind of perhaps those things mask. Um, and... And then I think there's also an interesting situation where um, and we often see this in the Olympics um, is when you have a certain um, you know, very highly emotional um, uh, experience, very intense, like the Olympic Games, um, for, you know, two weeks and all the leading and build up to it. Um, people are kind of just you know, really living um, and, and living in a, a kind of really high adrenaline state um, high cortisol, um, very high stress, and when they come down from that, um, you know the relative difference between where they've been and normality, um, and that shift can often bring um, a perception of wow, this is pretty mundane and boring, um, and and that can be a quite an adjustment as well. Mm. Um, to go from those high states to, and it's not necessarily a low state. It's it's, it's not so much a depressed depressive state, but it's 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 more of a um, you've been so high in these experiences, and and nor- normality isn't that. Normality is quite a shift from that, um, and it, that that uh, relative difference um, can often. Yeah, and, and then we need to normalise that. We need to get athletes to be aware of that, to, to kind of forecast it, um, and and kind of and normalise that experience so that they don't they don't panic and, and, and see that that shift and that response is a problem. Mm, um, mm. It's just our body's way of regulating some of those chemicals. Yeah, what's the best way to work through that kind of uh, that period? Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's it's really about you know as I said before, it's about Firstly, doing some education around like this is this is kind of likely to happen, um, just given the nature of this very unique scenario um, that your body's been wired in this space for that long. Um, you're going to come down from that. There's going to be a point where you come down, and, and that come down is going to feel um, probably a little bit more exaggerated based on on where you've been. Um, and, and I think it's it's about kind of just you know, firstly, understanding that, and allowing that, and appreciating where, why, um, and you know, and, and what we often encourage is to, to try and keep those normal routines. Um, don't do anything really significantly different. Um, keep your normal routines. It's a little bit like you know when when uh, some of the, the the special forces come back from from their tours. Mm. Um, have a bit of a lockdown period for, t- for a few weeks where they actually just continue to almost detrain and do some of their drills and, and, and detrain it off. And it's it's just starting to get the body back to a different pace slowly. 
rather than just straight. Um, you know, so I encourage you yeah, continue to do some of those activities, um, keep some of that, yeah, but slowly, slowly you know, reduce some of the pace um, and, and re-enter back into the you know, normal life, your normal relationships, your normal life routines. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you can't just it's not just a switch you can flick on and off no. like you need to exactly. uh acclimatize your mind and body to this new lifestyle and uh, exactly. that, that you know that clearly takes time yet we don't give it time or we haven't re- learned no. to give it time no and we don't we don't appreciate it like jed is is like you know we don't really appreciate that yeah like yeah, even from an adjustment retirement perspective you know, We've been, we've, we've habituated and got used to a particular lifestyle, particular way of thinking, particular way of relating to experiences, um, you know, particular way of getting our needs met and, um, you know, limelight, the attention, all of that, all those things, whether we like it or not, um, you know, are, are just big parts of that environment and, and particularly for athletes lived that for quite a while, um, so I think first, first off, we need to really understand and appreciate that it's gonna you're gonna feel like a fish out of water. Um, you're gonna feel really vulnerable and foreign. Fish and, out of water. I like that. That's a, yeah. a very fitting metaphor. Yeah, yeah, you are exactly. It's it's like fish out of water, and it's and it's gonna feel very vulnerable uh, because you don't have some of those you know normal uh, safeguards, you know, and certainty. That's that you would used to, um, and and those predictable experiences, um, and we all, you know, we all do that as humans. We use those those you know predictable uh, experiences to, to create certainty in our lives. And when you don't have those things to go to, we do. We feel more vulnerable, and, and I think it's. But can we allow that? Can we understand that? And can we appreciate that? That's that's just a normal, natural transition to you know to life. You know, um, you know, evolving for me outside of what I did, um, and then starting to explore those other opportunities. Um, you know, because there's some loss attached to that, um, loss of you know some of the mates and some of the experiences. There's also opportunities as well, um, and and I think being able to to juggle and appreciate both, um, and to start investing in some of those opportunities. To, and starting to create more meaningful experiences um, for you, you know, yourself in the future is kind of the, the journey. But yeah, so that's that's kind of um, and it's tricky and, it, and it's different for everyone. Um, and but I think what what we often see is it really catches people out um, when they don't kind of forecast that and they don't appreciate that that this is going to take some time and this is going to be you know pretty uh, unnerving and and there might be some kind of uh, unpleasantness um, and some uncertainty that, that I'm not used to about this this adjustment mm. um, and, and I have to lean into that as opposed to kind of you know trying to hang on or lean out from it mm. Mm. yeah oh, well, I just uh, wanted to just double check something uh, before I go, um, yeah. and that was just about this this chemical relationship. Um, I don't know, like I feel like I read somewhere that cortisol cancels serotonin. Um, is that I don't know. You might know more, more about that than me. Oh, 
cortisol cancels serotonin. No, look, I, I we know stress hormone. I'm not sure actually if it if it would, would cancel out or not. That that's not a not an area of my expertise. Okay, I'll, I'll, I can double check that through the the literature and um. I'm just kind of thinking because I was chatting to Tommy Carroll and, um, you know, I've experienced this myself. I think you probably, you would have too. And that, that is like after a day of uh, pumping waves, like especially consequential waves, hollow waves, um, you know, there's a come down uh, in the next couple of days from that that's pretty noticeable. It's, I would say it's very noticeable. And Tommy was saying that, you know, the way he used to cope with it, like and and what was common in his day on tour was people would just they would want to keep the high going so they would just you know after the day of waves they would party and then eventually they would fucking just crash you know the the come down was horrendous um and uh you know we're talking about i guess the the fight and flight mode you know if you're surfing huge pipe like you're scared out of your wits um the amount of cortisol and adrenaline pumping through your central nervous system would be yeah but there'd be vats of it i'd imagine um yeah and like that's not a natural state for human beings to exist in i I mean and it would be similar like you said to the sas guys they would be in that heightened state for days and weeks at a time i'd imagine yeah um yeah well it's temporary isn't it it's it's uh you know if we look at some of the the biological um evolutionary base of those those experiences are to create action, um, fight or flight. Um, yeah, they've got pretty strong action tendencies attached to, to those chemicals um, to get you out of danger. Um, and and so I think you know, those experiences are are you know really intense, um, and and they're only meant to be you know, short lived. Um, and and I think it, it absolutely it. it you know, an athlete's experience or any individual is experiencing that. Um, for some that are, you know, perhaps you know, really, really enjoy those experiences, um, you know, I can appreciate there's probably a, um, you know, a, an urge or an interest to keep that going. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's to, to, would often be to the detriment of, you know, of the person's mental health. Um, and, and physical health as well. Mm. Yeah, because a, a lot of these like Eastern cultures and, uh, you know, that they kind of, they're all about calm and peace and like this is the state that you're looking to preserve and, um, you know, it's almost as though these states that are encouraged through a lot of Western culture, like um, whether it be our sporting pursuits, um, you know, like football, surfing, uh, mar- martial arts, UFC, um stuff like this, uh, a lot of our culture is kind of based off um, a level of intensity that seems almost counterproductive to, to surviving life. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it kind of just needs to be counterbalanced, mm. I think, is mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, there needs to be some kind of homeostasis or equilibrium found within those, those experiences. Um, because I think we, you know, you can't deny, you know, there's there's a functional element of some of those high intensity states, and without those, we're not going to be at our best. Um, but how do we how do we counterbalance those, um, you know, when the situation allows? Um, and, and I think this is this is kind of talks to the recovery perspective. Is you know, there's going to be those high 
high adrenaline, high cortisol states. Um, but there's also, you know, we need to balance those out with you know, some really deep physical and psychological recovery um, experiences and to really recover or else there's no sustainability um, and, it was no, and there's no longevity in anyone's you know, performances. Um, you might you might get really high and really good, and you might do some great things, but it's it's kind of a you know, flash in the pants, um, you know, a one time thing or a short short lived, um, because your your capacity to kind of recover and then you know, return to that state consistently um, you know, is is really compromised. Mm, mm. Fascinating, man. Really fascinating. Right, Ace Smithy. Over under to surface losing the plot, by the way. Oh yeah, well it's a huge, huge, huge under, and it needs to be addressed, and it has been an ongoing issue for four decades. So, and 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 well before that, when the very first surfers were, you know, trailblazing, whether it was the travel or the the comp scene or the free surfing or, or whatever they were doing, you, you tie yourself to a life that is endlessly chasing that high, and you, you you're gonna forfeit things in on the road. To fucking a good mental state, mm. and uh, it's a tricky one to manage, mate. Mm. But uh, awesome interview, fuck, I love that. Mm. Took a lot, and uh, yeah, I'd have to give it a, a massive honour and a full credit to Surfing Australia for getting onto it, mate. Ahead of the curve and yeah. establishing that uh, kind of sports psychology unit and encouraging, as you heard, Fantastic. Uh, and young and surfers to broaden their horizons. Fuck, you know that's the other thing. How fucking torturous mm. are surf nerds? It's all they fucking know. <laughs> it's all they talk about. Like. Just, uh, oh man, like, uh, like just on surf in Australia, that is one of the most fucking, uh, I don't know, like broad-minded institutions in terms of like making sure that these boxes are ticked because they've got the team in there is like beat Derbage. How much is that guy fucking, he had to learn how to walk again. Mm. You know, you've got Andy King, a guy who fucking for all intents and purposes could have spent the whole rest of his life deaf mm. and unable to fucking walk because his uh, equilibrium was out. Popped a dog his... shot at the pub yeah. over a chick. No, I mean, you're, you're talking with smitty. guys who understand what fucking hardship can be. Mm. So, like, to have those sorts of leaders in there as well as, like, the psychologists, the the surf coaches, like that, that to me is really putting building blocks in place to make good don't people. Forget the spiritual... Not just good surfers, good people. That's mate. right. Don't forget the spiritual advisor, Smitty, heading up... The commentary team there. <laughs> Keeping the whole place in check. Checking everyone's chakras as they come in oh, through the doorway. Are you the crystal shaman at Absolutely. Surfing Australia? You better believe Fuck. it. I, knew that I charge like the that crystals and I sling a bit of crystal on the side. <laughs> hey, mate. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this ep. Uh, the reader questions, we're going to separate into a full episode. So Give stay the tuned. There, ATS talk back. Coming later on, it might be a week, it might be two weeks, it could be fucking any time. But we've got the questions, they're loaded up, we're coming soon. Take care. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You've got to be kidding me. 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 Oh, you've got to be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me, right? You've got to be kidding me. What? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me.
You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me?